we have episode 83. We got Wendy Jones. Happy to be here. And the episode starts right now. Oh boy, it's almost starting to feel normal, Wendy. We're getting there. Almost starting to feel We're in normal. Person. That's right. Let's switch that like that. Yeah, man. <laughs> How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here and not doing this on Zoom. So I tried to freeze I this really overnight. Know what's, what's in there? Okay. Okay. <laughs> no, we can't be drinking. No. Can't be drinking in here. No. So um, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's looking pretty interesting. Making my water look boring. Oh my God. So last time we talked, God, I think I was in a really, really bad place and the pandemic hit, you know, I mean, my little club thing, I was having some issues with my club, my club thing, like me and Duran were chill now, but we were kind of on timeout back then. Okay. Um, indoor club. I think that got called off. I was, I had one. so many um, color commentating gigs and this and that. And then I was just like, can someone help me understand this? Somebody, please, please help me understand this. And then who shows up? Every time, every time I'm like, the world's falling apart and I look up, I say to myself, I'm like, can somebody please help me put this in perspective or just see it? Is there a brighter side? Is there a light at the end of the tunnel? And then all of a sudden, Wendy Jones! <laughs> <laughs> That's the intro. I always hear. I I can hear it from. It's usually in front of Starbucks, but or from the Strand watching volleyball, which we're always both doing. So, mm -hmm. um, but I really appreciate the perspective because I've been thinking a lot about the difference between leadership and unity, and like how do leaders bring together people because there's a lot of division out there right now. And so when you called me the other day and said you want to talk about some of this stuff, I was like. You know. Yeah, I'm in. Well, we got some a lot of stuff on our mind. I mean, there's a lot of fun stuff I want to talk about too because um, you, as a as an active volleyball player, and the Optimist Journal's taking more more of that that volleyball direction yeah. right now. Wendy Jones, people, she is the founder uh, of the Optimist Journal, and I mean, maybe we'll, we'll we'll do that at the end because we talk about the Optimist Journal, what it's about. But for the new guests, I have to re yeah. remind people. For sure. But um. The two biggest issues I think we had, one was, and this has been bugging a lot of parents and coaches, um, players, commentators, um, entitlement culture, right? Yeah. Not to be, guys, not to be confused with entitlement spending, okay? Because yeah. uh, depending on which party you're with, entitlement spending can mean an, an, an entirely different thing, right? Totally. So, I mean, right, because entitlement spending can be Social Security for the sure. old. It could be, you know, people, unemployment benefits, which, by the way, we pay into. So that's right. so stupid. Or, um, I don't know, maybe Amazon pays zero tax. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Those so, I mean, there's the, there are different, different kinds yeah. of entitlement, you know, and I'm not going to get into that. But I will say that I wish people were more consistent across the board with that. Right? Agreed. I, I mean, honestly, watching someone broke defend billionaires who don't have to pay tax has to be the worst case of Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> you know, you, you will ever, you will ever witness. So, so, um, but it, we're talking about entitlement culture in sports. Yeah. 
So I wrote a blog on this, I want to say it was about three weeks ago after I watched um, uh, Varsity Blues. Um, not the movie from the 90s, but the new Netflix documentary on the college admission scandal. Uh, it knocked my socks off. Wow. I followed that story some well, you know, while it was going on, but I'm not a huge news junkie because I think it is not good for your mental health. So <laughs> um, I watched that uh, documentary and the concept of entitlement culture was just so at the forefront that I couldn't. I don't understand how people come up with plans like this, first of all. I mean, who really, who thinks you can pay your kids way into college? But then who, where is the power structure that is taking the money? And what I was so amazed by was that, yeah, the parents should get in trouble. For the most part, I don't think these kids knew what was going on. Didn't seem like they did in the documentary. Rick Singer, the guy who was masterminded this thing. I don't understand how people sleep at night. Okay, like it blew my mind. But what really bothered me was these huge universities with these massive endowments and such prestige are take they've created this. They're allowing the side door to happen. Right. And in the movie, in the documentary, not much was said about what happened to the university. Hold, hold on. Wait, wait a second. What documentary? Uh, look, oh. I'm look. We, we're from we're we're in the South Bay. For everybody yeah. listening, so I know the story. I know about Singer. I know about people saying that this person's being recruited by. Basically, the 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 scandal is for everybody listening. For for the people who already know, obvious is obvious. Sorry to interrupt because no, I'm gonna give the floor back. Basically, it's about uh, um, X amount of kids getting recruited to play a sport to. Um, up their chances of getting accepted into the, a university in which they would otherwise not be accepted in. Right. Right. And so, in many cases, this kid's on the soccer. You know, she's on the soccer, or whatever. Not a scholarship, but she made the soccer team. Right. And then you know, the parents they're going to take care of the rest. So basically, there was a scandal where this guy Singer, yeah, was accepting money from parents that actually financed this this operation. So yes, yeah, so the 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 check comes from the parents to Singer. Singer makes the donation Brokers to the deal, yeah. to the to the university um and it's called the side door. So it's it's a guaranteed admittance to prestigious universities. Um in some cases these kids were being they didn't even play the sport that they were getting a walk no. spot for. <laughs> I mean, this is what how do you come up with this? Like, how do you come up with this? I It never would have occurred to me as a parent that I had any ability to get my child into a college. It, it blew my mind. But what really bothered me was that the, the, there were no repercussions for the universities. And Stanford, where my son's playing volleyball, and USC, those are the two that looked, they looked really bad in the, in the documentary. And really... What's the documentary called again? It's called Varsity Blues, the college admission <laughs> scandal. On Netflix? On Netflix. I don't you even have Netflix now. Come to on. Have to see it. Have to this see it. How do you, this so how then people I, get my money, man. I know, but man, they're producing some great stuff because it was spot. It was real. And the, 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 the FBI wiretaps, I mean, the, the, the way that they produced it, like it was, it was very legit. So, you know, um, Catherine Miskowski friend mm -hmm. of mine um very much like you volleyball power mom yeah i know um, her. got a yeah, daughter going to ucla yeah um natalie yeah already has a daughter at usc uh -huh. playing for dane dane blanton yeah 
um, uh, beach volleyball, women's right. beach volleyball, the sand program. So that's respectively ranked uh, one and two or one and three. I mean, LSU is yeah. a problem. So yeah. I can't call USC and UCLA yeah. one and two anymore without no. acknowledging the For presence sure. of Kristen Nussing in yeah. town cloth. Um, and Amazing. Russell, big up Russell Brock, man, doing, doing good things out there. But Catherine told me this is a, a, I think a year and a half ago when it came when this whole thing okay uh, um, came when down it was the time to pay the piper yeah she said Jason I read I I got she got the transcripts right like the um the the transcripts of the taps yeah so the, and she said Jason it reads like a novel <laughs> that's how and the I documentary some, I was glued I don't watch TV okay and I was glued so yeah and. We're like someday they're gonna be. There's gonna be a documentary about this. Netflix did it justice. So when you brought up entitlement culture, I was thinking more about. Well, that was my segue. Yes. So I wrote this blog. Please. The, the concept of entitlement culture and and uh, what do we think actually matters, right? When we're raising these kids and we're trying to create, like for me, the lens of the Optimist Journal is so much like the game of life because I've learned so much through sports about how to conduct myself in life. I mean, the lessons that you learn, it's wherever you're spending the most amount of time. And these kids are spending a ton of time on their sport, right? So what are they getting besides overuse injuries and stressed out and all this stuff there? If, if you're with a good coach, you know, in a good program, you're getting life lessons, right? And, how, part of it trickled into Stanford cutting their program and me looking at this going, wait a second, how does this university get to act like this? And then, you know, cut the, the a program of this is the kids, this is their spot to where they've learned how to lead. And then you cut their legs out from under them. But really just the concept that what we expect like around, maybe it's around here where we live. I think it, it's a bigger cultural issue kids expect a lot to just come to them these days like that you don't have to work for where you've gotten and what they don't realize is in generations past people were putting in a lot of work you don't just show up and you're good right i mean a lot of times you show up and you suck and you got to stay with it and you hopefully you have a coach who sees a little something in you and knows how to pull on those strengths and and create something but if you we have so many problems now where you know, good coaches don't want to coach because kids are not coachable. Um, parents don't think that their kids could possibly act like that. Or, you know, we're, we're looking to save our kids and not let them fail. We want that everyone gets a trophy mentality and it does nobody any good, right? I mean, I'm all for the seven-year-olds getting to play soccer and everybody plays, but by the time you get to, you know, a, a high-level club team or a Division One program, you better know how to show up and carry your own weight and be a good teammate, not be just the star, but know how to support the people around you. And I think in a lot of ways, we're not doing that. We don't have a culture that is driving that forward. I couldn't agree more. Um, you're going to, I mean, you're probably going to get a slew of amens and hear here's on this <laughs> by um, parents who, um, will pretty much echo your sentiment as far as um, yeah. getting out there and actually doing it. And and me, um, you know, I'm, I'm like a centrist in almost everything we do. And I'm, I think I, I lean more towards your side of the middle. <laughs> you know, like I'm 
I mean, if you call me a centrist in this at all, in any case, Wendy, it's more about like, like somewhere between having one trophy mm-hmm. just for one person who's the best player out of the bunch of them. Um, there's that's one side, right? And then the other side, you have well, everybody showed up. Yeah. So everyone should get the same trophy, same size, same look, whatever, and right. this and that, um, which. Uh, offends the the very core being of anyone who's competitive or wants uh, or, or or thinks someone deserves recognition for a certain achievement um mm-hmm. so so somewhere between there that and that is where like I'm like all right there's a first place trophy there's um to me maybe there's an inspirational player trophy oh for sure all right. You know, there's someone who's yeah, not... Yeah, you can lead from the it's bench. It's not the dog in the fight. It's the yeah. fight in the dog. You yeah. know, this and that. And I think that that kind of kid should be recognized too. But I don't call that a participation trophy. I call that... Participation is showing up and being there. Like this, you know, someone who's not as good as the rest, but, yeah. but balling out. I think there should be a trophy for someone like that. And only... And only someone like that. Not the, not him and the guy sitting next to him. Not him and, and, and the, the ex-girlfriend who probably said you should try out for this team or whatever. No, she don't get one. She don't get one too, man. I mean, good Lord. So, I, I mean, I'm... I usually have a lot to say about everything, but I'm almost, I'm almost speechless. Well, how anyone can think that this is okay? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, no, I'm, and I'm bumbling over my own words, trying to compartmentalize and, and 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 ask how anyone can think that everybody that shows up should get a trophy is okay. How is that okay? <laughs> it's it, not okay. Yeah, I mean, it takes away the spirit of competition, mm-hmm. which most people that participate in sports have a very competitive spirit, right? Mm-hmm. But the truth is that we've gotten away from all of the layers of self-awareness and development that come through playing whatever sport we choose. For us, it's volleyball, right? That's the lens. If you're going to spend this much time playing volleyball, you're going to come into contact with people that are going through stuff that are, it's not just what's going on on the court. It's, 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 the best coaches understand that there's so much going on behind the scenes and the best players understand that somebody's struggling with something else. And then they have that self-awareness and that compassion rather than the judgment and the need to protect themselves to be the better player and lift someone up around them. And those are the best teams. You can have a six guys on the court that are all superstars, but that doesn't mean they're going to they're going to win. And that's what I loved about watching Luke's club team was, you know, those guys won two national championships and I never saw them get down on each other. Right. You know, and true, a true team, a true team sport too. Yeah, exactly. Mean, and then you go to beach volleyball. There's only two people on the court, so if you're not lifting that other person up, like you see, you've seen it come apart, mm-hmm. right? You can see it in their eyes, and it, it can at any level, juniors all the way up to the pros. You know that you know you've always got to be the one. If, when you learn that you, you don't need to protect yourself, you need to be the one that's strong enough to see what see the beauty in somebody else and lift them up, and then mm-hmm. you become better too. No doubt. Right. No doubt. For me, well, it's strange. It's good that you brought up both beach volleyball and indoor volleyball, right? I mean, let's do a little bit of separation and and I'll I'll rinse and repair on beach volleyball in a minute. Beach volleyball is no bench on the beach, right? Right. So there is no entitlement. You don't see the entitlement thing happen that that much on the beaches you do indoor. Indoor boys, parents pay a lot of money. Maybe the parents um, are, have, 
certain connections and this and that where a coach giving a, a certain kid more playing time is beneficial to the program and and uh, of course the kids are the ultimate beneficiary of it but the problem i have with indoor club is someone posted one time every every parent thinks their kid's the best player on the team for sure you know which is not true but i think in order for us to talk about it, you yeah. need someone to make a, a statement as extreme as that yeah. to bring everybody yeah. to that side so we can have a conversation. Yeah. It's not factual, but no. it is close to a fact as an opinion's going to be. Yeah. Every freaking parent. Um, I coach Evolution. I'm a fifth-year coach. Duncan Avery, God bless you. South Bay kids. Absolutely. Kids out of Redondo, kids out of South. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I get I have a bad year. This, this is, um, talent-wise, this is not one of my best years, but... Um, that's when I actually put in the most work. Yeah. You know, Duncan's like, oh, I got bad news. He's like, this team is not as good as like the other one. And I'm like, so what's the bad news? And I sound like I'm outing those players, but I'm not, I'm not outing those players. They know they're, they're not as talented as the previous teams and probably the, the least talented age group or whatever. But, yeah. but I guess Duncan, I was doing too good. Duncan thought he had to well, like throw, I mean, throw in some shit, he, man. He's yeah. like, you're up for the challenge. And the truth is like, yeah. every kid has strengths, right? Yes. So you're, a good coach is always playing to the strengths. Mm. You're yes. not, and when you play to the strengths, the weaknesses start to come up too. Yep. Right. So this is a piece of advice I'm going to give everybody who coaches indoor uh, club. Um, this is for anyone listening. If I, sh- I don't care if I, sh- if I share this with volley chat, volleyball coaches and trainers, or child apprentice for fucking volleyball. Um, listen to me. Where am I? Hear me with both ears. Your kid wants more playing time. Performance and practice saves his soul. Performance showing. A kid wants to jump serve. He doesn't want to be subbed out of the back row. Show me in practice. You can hit a jump serve consecutively. You want to be um, the. Um, you want to start more as an outside hit as an OH1, OH2. Show me. If you're not the best, a uh, better offensive player, show me you're the best passer on the court. Yeah. Show me that your your service C rivals a libero, right? Yeah. Um, you, you want to play outside, but you're not as good as a, uh, as, pa- as a passer. Show me that you are the second best offensive player in the OH position. Mm-hmm. Show me these things in practice. You get to show me in the game. So parents, every parent that has, a, that has had a problem with me with playing time, and every year there's one parent that pulls a kid from the team. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Oh, I played, I played for Evolution just so my kid could, could get more playing time. Yeah. I played with SCVC and they said, no, 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 that's not how it works with me. You know what I mean? I mean, and, and thank God I got Duncan backing me on this. You know, yeah, he always has huge. his coaches back unless I like punch a kid in the mouth. But um, um, show me in practice, you get to show me in the game. And I can't believe I'm having this conversation with some of you club coaches. I understand some of you guys just got out of college and you want to coach a little bit and you're doing this part-time and eventually they're going to groom you for an assistant coach position where you graduate and eventually you're going to become a head coach and and, and be an okay mechanic in a room full of Ferraris, okay? Or, or you could listen to me. You could you could have some turn some Ford Pintos into Tauruses. Put some real work in. And it starts in practice. It starts, especially with boys volleyball. Because yeah. boys volleyball, the psychology is power through performance. Mm-hmm. You know, women, okay. women's girls is more Finesse. more power through fellowship, yeah. through yeah, sister, yeah, yeah, yeah. and everybody right. everybody pulls for each other. You know, men is more of a leadership thing, mm-hmm. which even pisses me more off with well, the participation. Well, that's what got me things. thinking about leadership and and unity. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they go hand in hand. If you can't unify people, then you're not really a leader. Right. You know, people want to put the best player on the court and say he's the leader. Well, if he's not pulling up the guys around him, then he's not really a leader. 
this is man I, I do not like that this camera is arbitrarily being blurry but I don't care this is a podcast <laughs> so right yes audio but um and as long as that sounds good yeah um but yeah I think for indoor volleyball and for everybody that just heard the sound of my voice on on this very very simple solution um which at the end the parents I mean again if the parents had their mind made up then at that point, there's nothing. To, there's not a whole lot to be done. Well, and you know what it comes down to, though, is is those moments, mm-hmm. and you have you have a little one. She's gonna get bigger. The moments when your kid is hurting, you you do want to punch somebody. It's having the wherewithal to sit in a moment and go, God, this sucks. My kid's having a crappy game, or he didn't start, or he thought he was gonna play and he didn't. Like that, it hurts. As a parent, it hurts. But how do you separate yourself from their journey and go, you know what, they're going to learn something and then give them the tools to advocate for themselves, to find out how to be that kid that shows up at practice, like encourage them to go talk to the coach, you know, and say, what can I do if they're unhappy with something? Don't jump to their defense so fast because something's hurting you. You got to be able to sit there and go, God, okay, I'm just going to have to suck it up. And I, I hate watching my kid hurt, but it's part of the program. That's what they're learning, you know? And if they don't learn it in sports mm-hmm. when they're younger, life's going to beat them up. I think Joe Rogan put it best. He had Dan Crenshaw on his podcast, um, the big old Republican space ranger who, as much as I disagree with him, the respect I have for this man is profound, you know? Um, you know. look that up. I yeah, he's a um, guy from Texas. Okay. You know, he's got those whole, those old school, like, Republican value, uh, what they perceive, you know, there's, there's value in hard work, there's value in um, being in uh, almost a perpetual state of discomfort. <laughs> all, you know, like, not, I mean, yeah, th- there no, are people I, that they don't yes. feel like that way. If they don't feel right. that way all the time, they're, they're not, not productive. Sati- yes. And, and that is something I've learned. And I actually just put a post yeah. up about that this morning. And I'm in the middle of yeah. that one, too. I think in order no. to, to, in order to make an omelet, man, you got to break some eggs, man. For you got, sure. you have to, you have to be in a, in a, and not, maybe not a perpetual state uh, or a residual state. Uh, of discomfort and and pain and inconvenience, not all the time, but I'm. Uh, I think to get what you want, you have to you have to do that. I think. Yeah. I think for the people that feel like you shouldn't be that way all the time, you're you're not wrong either because, um, if you have an escapism, yeah, that that allows you to escape, and then you release all that stuff mm-hmm. and, and allows you to come back. Absolutely. Uh, um, yeah. To, no to, recovery. To your state or whatever. Recovery is part of the grind. One hundred percent. So. Um, yeah, really, really, really good. Um, yeah, Crenshaw is, um, he's, he's, he believes that this, this, the whole country is not really, he says there's, there's the QAnon nutballs, you can't do nothing about, he says there's extreme progressives, um, there's, there's no app solution for them ever, you know, for whatever and this and that. He says there's, there are liberals and there are conservatives that, there's so much more that they have in common Agreed. than what they have that separates them. Yeah. Where, all right, we disagree on this, but let's let's work on this, yeah. right? I mean, think about it. Does a liberal or conservative do both of them want good health care for themselves and for their family? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Yes. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. know, oh, the the right wingers, they don't want you to have a kid out of here. Yeah. Go shut, shut, shut yeah, the who's, front door. Who's happy that. paying $1,000 a month for, for, for crappy, <laughs> Me, for crappy health insurance? I'm, to, I'm with you. And then, and then but you got to have the nerve to look at where the problem's really coming from. Right. Right. And a lot of times people aren't willing to look at that. They want to blame this power, you know, the power structure is all about just blocking someone else's power now. Going mm-hmm. back to the unity theme. Mm-hmm. There's no unity. There's no let's sit down and listen to each other. It's all about me defending my position and blocking yours. Right? Mm-hmm. So Which is where caused do you get? by two small groups of people who have just enough people in their gang to make it look like they represent a larger group than what they really are. Yeah. Are they big? Yeah. All right. I mean... The, what happened January They're 6th? They're loud. What, what happened January 6th? I'm not saying all of those people are Republican, but there were enough people in a crowd to stir up the pot to stir up Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the riots that happened last summer, um, th- this week, we could talk about what happened yeah. this week because yeah. there was that wasn't rioting. That was, that was peaceful protesting during the day. And then when the curfew hit, there were a bunch of people that didn't want to go home and they right. were they weren't really but nobody you know no one got that house broken into or no right. one you know this so i mean anyone calls that a riot clearly you need to watch some documentaries but um <laughs> yeah. people think that those are in large people that voted democrat mm-hmm. um they're not wrong there, there is a large group of people that, that did vote democrat assuming a lot of those people that were out there even vote um the people that were yeah. that were violent um but started by a small group that was big enough to stir the pot right. of, of civil unrest. Yeah. You know, um, on a personal note, I mean, and, and, I, and, I'll, and I'll leave this alone. This, I think there's a difference between anger spilling over about um, people of, of, our, of our Americans like us who don't look like us. Mm-hmm. Um, frustration and anger spilling over where someone does something wrong, they die for it. Where yeah. if someone else does something wrong, they don't they die don't. from it. Yeah, you know. Um, well, and the whole notion—I mean, the whole notion that that somehow compares to people who thought that there was enough voter fraud. There were that there were seven that Biden won by seven million votes. Uh, um, that the, the, that those were, that it was fake, that it was rigged. I mean, there's those are, those are two different. Forms of anger. I don't like lumping them. I'm not comfortable lumping them in the same category. Yeah, yeah. There's a level of anger and frustration. I understand that spills over, but that's crazy. That's not. I mean, one is one is a real thing. Well, <laughs> fundamentally, people need to feel safe to be able to advance society, right? Yeah. I mean, we can't be walking around in a state of fight or flight all the time. Mm-hmm. And I will come back to like that is how people are right now. Yeah. You keep, you can feel. Keep going. I want to fix that light behind. Okay. Me. You can feel in any conversation almost right now that people are ready to jump down each other's throats and defend their own position. And what I keep coming back to is that everybody's got a story in their life that dictates where their perspective's coming from. And if we're not willing to listen to each other's perspectives, then we're not going to get anywhere. No, I, I mean, every single issue, every yeah. hot button issue where these two gangs are forcing people to go completely one way or the other. Yeah. Wake up, people. These these issues, all of us want the same thing. We just talked about healthcare, right? Yeah. Uh, um, uh, gun violence, right? Give me the most. Don't give me the most zealot gun nut. No. Don't give me the one, who, 
doesn't want guns at all in the United States. Give me the one who, the majority of the right. people, who enjoy guns for recreation or who need a gun for personal, they feel they need a gun for right. personal protection. That's the majority of the country. Right. Do we all want gun safety? Yes. Do we want kids not to not shoot up schools? Yes. We all want the same thing. So the what? Uh, um, right. you, you got these two gangs changing the what? Yeah. No, the what is is the right. what is the same as far as what we want. We all want gun safety. Yes. We all want yes. the how is is right. is what I think we need to put our heads together and figure out the how. But but what happens is if someone changes the the what the, what you're supposed to think the what is, then the how is fruit from a poisonous tree. Yeah. The yeah. solution to something that's not the real problem is fruit from a poisonous tree. Yeah. So well, so often we're we're dealing with the symptom of a problem, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And that's why I always keep trying to go back down to the root cause. I wrote about that in my blog last weekend, and I came up with that because you find interesting people in volleyball on the beach that have crazy life stories that have been working like in corporate America that are really really smart. And I was chatting with a coach last week, and he's like, oh, well, I'm a root cause guy. And I looked at him like, what the heck is, what's that mean? <laughs> and he's like, you know, you got to figure out the base of the problem. And I was like, Abs- that's, uh, okay, I'm a root cause guy too. Because underneath all of the layers of people fighting are insecurities, are um, lack of self-awareness, are all of these things, uh, protecting of, the, of your ego because you're so afraid to be wrong and fail that you're not willing to hear somebody else out. And whether that's your, you're not willing to look at your teammate as being better than you, or whether you're talking about something like healthcare, if you always think you're right, you're wrong. I got to caption this. I got to I gotta quote myself. The how is fruit from a poisonous tree if, yeah. the, if you don't understand the what. Yeah. I, just, I mean, um, give me the most avid, gun gun responsible gun owner or or whatever what have you do the even give me the 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 gun person who wants who thinks everyone should own a gun and they don't want their senile grandmother right who thinks that street lights are aliens okay we're gonna we're gonna i think we're gonna keep we're gonna keep that gun you know we're gonna um maybe you know maybe i'll lock it up here while she's staying with me right you know i'm i'm so if the what is responsible gun owner, then there has to be a clear-cut definition of what a responsible gun owner is. Yeah. All right? Or, um, if you but th- you also get K Street involved, and you have, you're, not, you're not dealing with people. You're dealing with money, right? Yeah. So when you bring in the NRA and you're looking for mm-hmm. a, a, a perspective that is middle of the road, like I am not in favor. Like you see some of these tragedies, and you go, why does that gun need to exist? Now, I have a family that's had my, my dad collected guns. I knew he had a gun in yeah. the house. I, you know, he didn't particularly love to hunt, but mm-hmm. he, he did some. And you, you see that growing up, but you always had a respect for it. I never wanted to be around a gun. I've right. been to a firing, I've been to a shooting range now. I did not like that feeling. Hmm. I don't want to be in charge of that. No. <laughs> right? And I do think, you know, people need to be trained. If you're going to have that, you need to be trained. And so being that I didn't enjoy b- doing that, I'm, I, I tell my kid, you know, my son will ask, why don't you have a gun? And I'm like, I'm not trained to have a gun. No. Um, how many guns did you have? How many? I 
don't know. Well, he had more. He had antiques like hanging on the wall in his okay. office. Like he would collect. I mean, all the way back yeah. to Civil War. Type he ain't gonna stuff. shoot it, right? He's not yeah. gonna shoot it. But he's a he's a rancher. So mm-hmm. you know they have guns out at the ranch. My son was shooting shooting a BB gun the other day, but he's taken my kids out and shot a twenty two. But we're out in the country. He knows how to use them. He's he is training them. That you know, I I I don't have. You, you have to teach the respect, like with anything else. Absolutely. Right? Um, I, I mean, particularly, besides BBN, don't really ever want to hold a gun again. I don't. I did not enjoy it. But I think, look, I think an average rural family probably has three. I think yeah. they have a gun or, or a rifle or a shotgun that's a collector's item. Yeah. All right. I like it. I wanted it. It's, it's cool to have. Yeah. Um, they probably have a shotgun. Yep. for personal protection and they probably maybe maybe some have a rifle for it and that um me growing up in, in new york city in brooklyn new york yeah. um i'm not an urban guy I'm a, i mean i'm not a rural guy i'm, a, I'm a, yeah I'm, you're a city guy i still am always always have been always will be we had three we had one you know we had a 1918 model of 30-06 yeah. on world war one my father had the good old-fashioned clint, clint eastwood um the revolver the the um I think it was a cult or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Oof, man, that thing. Uh, yeah, talk about kickback. Yeah. Everything, every reason that you talked about, like I not, not, like not being feeling. comfortable firing that yeah. thing, that thing just blows you back. And when I was 15, he bought me a 22 rifle, which is... Yeah, that's um, what I've shot. Like, little to no kickback. It's right. really a weapon for kids. I yeah. mean, and everyone's like, weapon for kids? What are you talking about, Jason? I'm like, no, look. Look, there are certain parents that are like, they would rather have their kids understand guns well, uh, um, you, and, you and learn know a that healthy no, respect. And know that this, yeah. hey, this is not a toy, right. right? I mean, I mean, we do it with everything else in our house. Look, that's my laptop. That's not a toy. Yeah. <laughs> right? This is that. That's not a toy. You're here the first one to tell your kid that's not a toy with everything else. So um, to me, if the what is responsible gun owner, mm-hmm. um, the how. Then we can get to. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day. I think the left has to concede that. Um, I think for the people, progress, ultra progressives who want to ban guns outright, is not the solution because it's not going to stop. Respond, um, people who want a gun, uh, who, who won't who commit a crime. The rules. Right. Yeah. Uh, um, then, first of all, they're going to have guns regardless. You're, right. I mean, um, uh, people who don't follow the rules. Um, they're always going to have guns because we as a nation are still selling those people weapons. We, um, we, we, the cartel from 2006, I don't know if that's diminished or if that the, the gig is up, but from 2006 all the way to the present, not all the well, close to the present, we've been selling weapons to the Mexican cartel because yeah. we were trying to figure out where they were getting their guns. So we figured if we sold them guns, yeah. we would um, know who their competitors are. Yeah. So the operation was called Gunrunner. It was under the Bush administration in 2006. Gun Walker, a gun runner. Um, I'm on Wikipedia. And um, what happened was it got found out. The gig was up. A bunch of rogue, they called them rogue federal agents and this mm-hmm. and that. And they shut it down. But then what happened, it was renamed Operation Fast and Furious under the Obama administration. So... Um, <laughs> So and and it just it, it just kept well, on it just kept on happening. So, going down back to root cause, okay, 
there are people that believe in, I mean, you get, the higher up you get, you'll get more brash people who don't think they have to follow all the rules, right? And the, I mean, I hate to say it, but people do it all the way up and then they get up in the morning and they, they give a speech on TV and they can look everyone in the eye and they've got all of this stuff going on in the background that your average human, like, I don't know. I, I mean, I have a massive guilt complex. If I had done some of the things that these guys have done, I wouldn't be getting up and running for office and standing there and <laughs> telling you how it goes. Acting like, like things are okay. Like okay. <laughs> I don't get it. I could never run for office, Wendy. No. I got so many things that I forgot about. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's, um, here's the Wikipedia thing. Uh, gun walking or letting guns walk was a tactic used by the Arizona U.S. Attorney's Office and the field office in the United States, ATF, blah, 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 um, hoping to track the guns to Mexican drunk cartel leaders and arrest them. These operations are done under the umbrella of Project Gunrunner. Um, and it's so it's so and I wanted to clarify that because I had a conversation with some some friends and everybody's like, oh, Obama's, you know, it's about gun control. But he's it wasn't he fast and furious and this and that. And I'm like, fast and furious. Yeah. 2008, 2011. Yes. But this started in 2006. So I don't want people to think that this whole gun thing or or the ATF gives gives an, gives an F who the president is. No. <laughs> you know, you, you can. So so somewhere between. Um, just make sure no one has a gun to these zealots that are playing the victim saying they're coming for your guns mm -hmm. is the rest of the country. And right. somewhere in, in between all of those people is the rest of the country. And, I'm, and I didn't mean for this to get political. We have so much volleyball to talk <laughs> about, right? We, and, and the entitlement culture we, we were talking about yeah. is a real, real thing. And hopefully what we're saying is, is going to inspire that uh, uh, further discussion of that. But these gangs are getting bigger and because people in the middle, liberal and conservatives in the middle, yeah. are getting gaslighted right. uh, um, by a whole bunch of people. Uh, uh, after a while, I'm not, look, I don't want to criticize people, but, but not everybody's will is as strong as mine or right. as yours, where, yeah. we, where we're like, all right, yeah, I got five on one. Fine, you want to talk about? It? I'll take all of y'all on. Let's let's pick this up where I actually have some information. Where you instead you calling your guy who is already you know um, what polished on debate and already comes with a, sh a shitload of information that's bludgeoning me to death on information I don't have. Right. Of course, that's not a fair fight. No. You know, but if people's will were a little stronger, they wouldn't want to feel the need to be part of the game. Okay. Well, and doesn't um, that relate to everything in life? Yeah. Right? Yeah. If you're not confident in what you believe, then you're looking for somebody else to come and back up your position. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. If you, like I, mean, I said to you today, I'm like, yeah, you who start. Wants, I mean, who wants to fly solo, Wendy? <laughs> right? I'm kind of discovering the beauty of flying solo. So sure. I don't know. I like, I. If you, the more convicted you become of your path and what you believe, the less you mind flying solo. Yeah. Right? You yeah. do it. Are you kidding me? I look at you today and I was like, who says, like, I'm going to make a podcast that's about volleyball and current events, which I think is yeah. brilliant. And health and wellness. Right. And, and other sports. But yeah. you just kept doing it. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can say people look at you and say, like, I don't know. I don't know if I, I'm going to do it. Yeah. And you yeah. did it. So. Yeah, I think. 
Yeah, it all I, relates. Mm -hmm. It relates all the way up to the highest structures of power, all the way down to how we sit around our dinner table and have a conversation. Yeah, I mean, and that's why we have such a problem with entitlement culture. Yeah. Because without entitlement culture, who the hell is going to take a chance? Right. Because no one's going to know how to fail, because no one's going to know how to stick their neck out there, because you're going to think, oh, I'm uncomfortable, I should pull back. Yeah. Right? But you understand the intention of entitlement culture, right? If everyone gets a trophy anyway, I might as well just go for it. Right. I mean, that was their level of thinking of going in, which is failing, of course. Yeah. Uh -oh. And then you just bring everybody's level down. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You're playing in the smaller playground. Your your, your world gets smaller. Mm -hmm. You're less inclined to seek out other schools of thought or, or, or bridge gaps between people because you don't believe. And it, it, I think when you're more confident in your own position, you also have an ability to sit and listen. Yeah. And if you don't see that in people, that if they always have to defend instead of sit back and listen to someone else's point of view, then you're hitting on an insecurity. Right? 100%. Yeah. I think... You ever see the movie Troy? Yeah. Not the in a while, but The beginning of the movie. movie, like Achilles has to fight this dude. And the dude is huge. I think it was like um, former WWE star Nathan Jones. Okay. And um, the kid was like, he was the biggest man I've ever seen in my life. The kid that was trying to wake him up. You yeah, know? Um, yeah, yeah, I remember. And he said, I, I remember the kid saying, I'm going to try to wipe this lens. I remember the kid saying, man, I would never... Uh, you know, I'm glad um, I don't have to fight that guy. I would never want to fight that guy. And Achilles said, that's why no one will remember your name. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, cold. Cold, but, but he, true. He's not, he's not wrong. Right. He's not wrong. Some, you know, you want to be, sometimes you want to be remembered. You have to throw yourself out there. And if, if the risk of failing is too big that you don't want to do it, that is... That's your, you that's can, your life choice. You have to decide that's if your life that living, if you're comfortable, mm -hmm. if living, being comfortable, or if you know that like somehow you're not fulfilling mm -hmm. what you were supposed to do and that'll eat you alive. Yep. Because that's, you know, I, when I started writing my blog, I was like doing this for myself. Okay, then I'm doing it for my kids. And I'm like, no, I really feel like I got a message that needs to get out there. I don't know how the heck I'm going to get it out there, but I'm going to keep writing. Yeah. Right. Well, I've enjoyed a lot of success with this podcast. Yeah. I've enjoyed some success. Um, you know, I, I, you, we were talking about before we got on. I, you know, God bless you, Earl and Jake, for having me as your coach. You know, I got him in the nice. main, in the main draw. God bless you, Rafu Rodriguez. Yeah. You know, I was I was working with him and Kevin McCulloch from Manhattan Beach, 2016, and they allowed me these small opportunities. So I wouldn't say. Um, I, I grade myself as some success. I mean, right now this, this freaking camera's blurring, so I can't say a, uh, I can't say a big success. Um, um, but this camera blurring is a testament to what the podcast is going to become because I have someone that actually texts the show that's that's good at this stuff. And right yeah, now yeah. we're almost at the end, you know, and um, where things are going to be more normal, yes. and, and I won't have to tech my own shows, um, but. The reason why I've enjoyed the success and the reason why I was able to take some of these chances is I put myself in a position where my bottom line and my brand are two different things. Mm -hmm. It's rare. I'm going to say that again for everybody okay. listening. My bottom line, how I make my money, 
uh, where, where are my next checks gonna come from? Um, retirement, your you know first chakra shit. Mm -hmm. You know like yes, your, your security, yeah. your security, your roots job, uh, so your feet on the ground. Yeah, you know we could grounding. talk about the seven major yes. major chakras of yeah. the spinal cord because I know yeah. you know that. But um, my bottom line mm -hmm. and my brand, what I'm trying to become because I didn't know what the hell uh, I, was, I was just swinging and my, my wife was like what are you doing I'm like I know what I'm doing she's like what I'm like I don't know but I know I'm, I know what I'm yeah. doing is right yeah so my brand and my bottom line are not the same are, are, are not connected uh -huh. so some people out there Wendy if their podcast fails they fail they fail and they lose money and they're, they're invested in it and they're constantly losing money. They're constantly in the red. They're not in the black. Can't even remember the last time they've been in the black. And they they have this coming to Jesus moment where like, do I keep doing this mm -hmm. or do I do something else in life? Right. Because right now it's killing me and I got, you know, maybe they just have self-responsibility. Right. Maybe they have a family to feed. Maybe they have this and that. And the reason, and this isn't an ego thing. This is just a, a reality for people who, who are trying to understand what the hell I'm doing here. My bottom line and my brand are two different things. I put myself in a position where I, this podcast, I'm going to do this podcast to the day I die. Mm -hmm. And if it succeeds or and if it fails, if I get one viewer yep. or if I get 10,100 viewers, um, I'm just going to keep doing it. I'm going to keep doing yeah. it. Did um, you enjoy it? Yeah, and my and my brand is my brand is what my brand is, and if my brand is built and it's good yeah. and, and it and it comes to something, that's fine. And if it doesn't, um, like you said, there's something to be said about at least saying, turning old one day and looking back retrospectively and saying, hey, you know, I it said, didn't work out, but I fucking did it. Yeah, I and sh I said you know? what I needed to say. Yeah. Right. Um, yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, what was it? Travis Muirwitter mm -hmm. had him on the podcast, and for you guys should listen to that podcast. And Wendy, stay with me on this one, yeah, because I'm, I'm that's why I'm supposed to let you talk. But he was being criticized by people on Volley Chat. Um, he didn't qualify for a particular um, AVP, and someone seriously said, "You need to self assess if you couldn't qualify for this draw. You know, you need to do like a self assessment." And I'm not. And the, the guy. Kind of came. He wasn't. Like, he didn't seem like a regular troll. And if okay. he was, if he was a troll, he was good <laughs> because he's the kind of guy that makes you answer back like, you know, fuck you, you know, ass hat or whatever. You, what do you know? Or hey, glad you asked. And this and this is why I do this. I said this is why I do that because something I didn't teach Travis this. I know he knows this. You don't feed the trolls. Agreed. Travis, right now, he's one of the best writers. Uh, I put him right up there with you. Yeah. Um, He's a very, very good commentator, and he's this elite athlete that's given beach volleyball the old, more than the old college try because he's, mm -hmm. he's actually qualified for the draw, yeah. I think, four times. And then the conditions that, that people who were in that same draw in that same tournament probably wouldn't have qualified that were, you know, that had yeah, points or whatever. For sure. Like 11 o'clock at night, Rafi Paulus in Texas, humid as fuck. Oh. What? You ain't, I mean, what? Yeah. yeah, come on. That's a stud, dude. For sure. That's a stud. And then you got to wake up the next morning and play someone who's fresh and is already better than yeah, you. Yeah, no, I love Travis's you know, um, book on um, coming through the qualifiers. Yes. Like, it's, it's good. Yes. So, it's really good. So this guy poked Travis really hard that he warned a response. And he read this quote from um, FDR. And he's and it goes like this. And for the people that watch this podcast, listen to it again or you can just turn me off. I don't care. Um, the credit 
belongs to the man who was actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring so greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Absolutely. That's a, I know that quote. I love uh, it's in uh, Brene Brown's book, Daring Greatly. Mm-hmm. And, and it is that it's a legendary quote. And it absolutely is exactly what we're talking about. And lame. I mean, because I read it terribly because my eyes, my eyes are not so good because I'm old. Um, <laughs> it basically means it's very hard for people to understand who don't throw themselves out there. Yeah. You know, um, it was. Travis was not trying to be self-serving and arrogant about about his that was well that was basically his way of saying like um were you out there yeah were you playing which is a completely fair remark <laughs> I mean, that's exactly what you should be it saying. is fair yeah. no it is it's some people think it's unfair because I don't think you need to be a chef to know if a steak tastes like shit uh, uh but but it's un it's very very fair to ask this person Maybe maybe the person he's talking to, maybe it doesn't apply to volleyball. Maybe it's something that he wants something for himself that he might not have. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to win. He doesn't want to go because even though he can win, the he does. He's so scared of losing. Right. He, he ain't showing up at all. It's just like the Achilles thing, right? Yes. I wouldn't want to fight that guy. Yeah. Right. And, and and that's but that and that's why no one will remember your name. We're gonna, I'll remember Travis's name. I mean. Yeah. So. What I told Travis, and you'll appreciate this, um, uh, and it was important for this guy. I'm sure he was listening um, because Volley Chat listens to everything. I, I Google search. I Google search myself. I, I want. I, oh, I think I'm, fam- I'm famous now. I've Wendy, never, I'm been, famous I have never now, even so, been on there. So, so um, I don't. I, <laughs> you're um, teaching me something new. So, I basically said you have to understand the qualifiers represent the best of the best from regional winners yeah summer competitors but regional winners you you have people that won the Pottstown rumble all right five thousand dollars to win that thing i mean yeah i mean the guys in the drawer that, that aren't they're not going to make five grand they're going to pay they're going to make the two grand to show up and then two and gone right um miles evans bill kalinsky right um miles missed the qualifier a bunch of times miles won seaside three times wow. that's a respectable tournament yeah. anyone whose last name is Baumgren. You know, Wapaka, you know, winning grass uh, um, threes, winning uh, beach doubles. Yeah. Um, Mike Salek, Greg Hunter. Mike Salek, for a long time, was one of the best players in New York City. Um, You know, played um, overseas in Greece and this and that. So you see these guys in the second round and the third round, and they're, they're, they're in that playing game, and either they're in or they're out, and they don't go in. Yes, they do need to, to reassess their game. You know, and yeah, so he's the guy's not wrong, you know. Um, but you know, I think it comes back to, to okay, please, we get to do in life what what we are up for the challenge for. Are we gonna, if you want to challenge something, go out and do it? Who cares if you fail or you or you because I still can't sip this? Oh, no, <laughs> because 
honestly, the question becomes, and Michael Gervais is on his podcast every every week, and I had that conversation I was telling you about with the Olympic rower yesterday. The question always comes down to, are you trying to be the best or your best, right? So your best on any given day is going to be different. You're going to have one day, like, I, I go out, I play for nothing. But yeah. I go out and I play because it gives me joy, because I like to move my body, because I like the relationships I have out there. And one day I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel amazing. The next, you can look like crap. It doesn't, It like, so the day that Travis is getting attacked, I don't know how he was playing or what happened to qualify or not qualify, but why the question of why you're being attacked and this is the thing you're right you don't have to be a chef to understand the steak doesn't isn't great but if you're not out there like why the why are you throwing the dart what's the point and like that goes the whole volley chat like i said i've never been on there but like that's going to this social media age of like everyone feeling like they can throw anything out there but they don't have to back it up right and i like what i'm finding on my social media is gold like literally had that it's the convert- optimist journal yeah Wendy. i mean i had it's the a, optimist journal. i found an, a, a rower that had this conversation yesterday with a, a gold medal olympic rower from britain who has ba- battled cancer and has lo- and is paralyzed and has the most incredible outlook on life but has been through these stages of grief that's what i'm finding on social media because of what i put out there but you know what these kids are dealing with what travis is dealing with like why do you throw the dart? It's something about you. It's not yeah. about whoever you're throwing it but at. But I would suggest those guys who throw the dart are a dime a dozen. Yeah, for sure. What, but what this guy was talking about, and um, and it was probably even worse than... <laughs> what I thought the guy was talking about was even worse than what Travis thought he was talking about. Um, I said this one particular guy was worth answering because his question and his comment had so many colors. Like mm-hmm. if he wasn't someone that never done anything in your life that you don't know, let's say he was he was someone okay. and he said that. Because the people that actually yeah. have done shit in their life usually don't say that, but occasionally True. you find a douchebag, you know, yeah. who, who likes speaking up from here, you know, down to the plebs, uh, um, if, if he decides to grace them with his presence mm-hmm. or the sound of his voice. He was. Ta- I thought he was talking about something a little bit different, and this this is this is cold because this goes to the soul. And I said this so many podcasts, but I'm gonna say this again. Okay, you're in the qualifier, and the qualifier after qualifier after qualifier after qualifier, right? You got Miles Partain. Love that kid. Makes the main draw at age 15. Yeah. Okay. Did he? Did he? Did he crew up? Did he enlist a cave troll and do it with Phil or whatever? No. Uh, did it with his brother who was 17, no less. All right. The youngest team, team certainly the youngest player, beat Rosie's record at, six, at 16. He's 15 years old. Um, he didn't stop qualifying. He started. Um, qual- he qualified again with his brother. He qualified with um, um, Paul Lottman. Actually, mm-hmm. did some damage. Eventually, got a fifth. A fifth in at a gold series. What the? I mean, there's something about there's something about these neutral grounds instead of people having to fly to California or whatever that really makes you come to Jesus. So congratulations, Rafi Paulus. Congratulations, Ian Satterfield winning the the beach challenge. They beat Jeff Samuels and Rosie in the semis, and they beat Ty Loomis and David Lee in the finals. So neutral ground, cowboy up. Trickle up. Don't trickle down. Don't wait for partners to switch up in this and that. But this is the point I was trying I made to Travis. And this is um this is something that made Travis rethink. Does Travis jump higher than Miles? Yeah, 
He does. Does he hit harder than Miles Parterian? Of course he does. Is he more athletic than, than Miles? Hell yeah, a gangly ass little kid, right? So, but there he is. And there you are. Reassess. That's, that is the cold, hard truth. And the reason why Travis answered that, and the reason why I'm even bringing it up now, is because what seemed like just this troll bomb by, by someone, you know, that could have been without, I mean, if you read it, if you just skimmed through it, like, ah, I'm not feeding the trolls. Nope, he's hungry, and he, right. can, go, he can go starve. I'm not giving him my lunch money, <laughs> you know. Right. I, I, got, I got my Starbucks here. You cannot have a sip, okay? <laughs> this thing right here is finally starting to thaw out. You ain't getting shit. So, um, um, it's a truthful question. Yeah. There he is. Shorter than you, younger than you, not as athletic, doesn't jump as high, doesn't hit as hard. Um, didn't crew up. You know what I mean by crew up, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. crew up is more of a team thing, right? right? Like, like my friends, like, oh, you never beat me in a Sixers game. And I'm like, <laughs> who, who I got back, hit me up. <laughs> oh, by the way, you have a cave, you have a seven foot giant. You know what I mean? Come yeah. on. I mean, yeah. so it's now, it's a self-examination thing, Travis. Yeah. So is it a coaching thing? Is it a, a, a muscle exercising your muscles from the neck up thing, Wendy? Is it right? Is it it's is always it, about that. Is it well at that level? It is, of course, yeah. right? You're not teaching nobody how to pass. They're, these are professionals, no, right? No, and it's it's all, yeah, it's um, all. There's so much of its mindset and consistency, right? I mean, but now it becomes a fair question. Yeah, but now it becomes a fair question. So I looked at it that way, because this this guy, it was either the the heaviest troll. Ever that that was worth responding to, or is just the guy saying, "Look, I know you think I'm breaking your balls right now, but yeah, but why not?" That, and so we, so him as an elite athlete, you can take that as a okay. That's why you you know you're not there. That's why no one's gonna remember your name, right? Like yeah, Achilles, right? Or you can take these things as not a put down or a challenge. And then the reason why I'm even talking about all this, because it all circles back in my idiotic genius to uh, um, to the um, culture uh, um, and, and, and time. Yeah. yeah. Right. You can take that as a put down. Like, dude, your serve's not there. You know, oh, coach is coming down on me. Oh, this and that. No. Why is why is it my serve there? Yeah. Why is you know, why am I do? not playing you know, enough or whatever and this and that. Right. So. It's our responsibility as coaches to, to tell them, to not tell them they can't do something. All right? Yeah. Uh, line up a bunch of kids in the wall. You're not tall enough. You never play them at all. You, five, five for nine, nine, ten. No, 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 no. You don't do that. You, you say, you, you change your language as a coach to induce the challenge, the competitor, the, whatever is left in this entitlement culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, um, you can't jump serve. Do you know? Saying it that way, the kid's saying, maybe I'm just going to float serve yeah. for, for the rest, and maybe for the rest of his life, or maybe he'll come back at it for, from a different angle. So this is why I'm, I'm talking all this nonsense, because, I, uh, again, I'm an idiotic genius. I, I brought it full circle back to this, this, this well, culture. I mean, it is right. only our responsibility as coaches to speak in a language that challenges them. Right. If I have a 5'9 guy that wants to play outside hitter, uh, um, to some coaches' reality, no, you can't. Forget it. You know, nope, it's, ne- it's never going to happen. You, um, and that's where coaches fail. 
Uh, coaches act like they're doing this kid a favor to play libero. He's, he's, you're going to save a whole bunch of time where you could have just done this in the first place? No, you're a fucking loser by telling a kid that. Yes, I, yeah, I said it. You're a loser. But, you know, I don't care what club you coach, how many championships you won, how many rings you got uh, uh, recruiting the right kids where you get to be a glorified babysitter. You're a loser. 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 Her. Okay? No, that 5'9 kid, you're like, okay, look. There ain't no five nine outside hitters out there. I'm not. I'm, I'm gonna be real with you. Yeah. If you want to hit outside, this is what I think you should do. This is what I think you should do. This is what I think you should do. Your path is gonna be more difficult than anybody else, and it's gonna be unfair. The question is, how bad do you want it? That's how you talk to a kid. How bad do you want it? Yeah. And if that kid looks at you, he's like, I want this so fucking bad, coach. I want this so bad. Now you're communicating with your player, yeah. and now you're doing some real fucking work. Now you're doing some real work. Right. Um, um, and now you're doing your job. Now you're not playing glorified babysitter. You're doing your job as a coach. Whew, and I'm back. So that motivation that you're providing to that kid, the question is when, when you get coaches that are that fired up to make a difference in a kid's life, are we delivering the athlete to the, co- to, to the court that is ready to take that kind of motivation. And that's the question the coach yeah. needs to ask himself for his right. super objective. Right. Is his objective to win a national championship? Well, yep. I mean, just I mean, you won't have that problem if you recruit the right kids, all right? If are you someone that that's where your priority is developing these kids to, to go to college and maybe be a student athlete on a smaller school or bigger school or on a different scale that, that takes priority over to over winning now? Then make that decision, make that distinction, and and definitely be honest with the parents. Yeah, you know who who go in thinking or whatever, because a lot of parents pull their kids from a team because they think if they play for Evolution, they're gonna have more playing time because the whole purpose of them playing for Evolution is because SCVC and where your son played and this and that. You know, he he he's a practice player. He ain't never gonna play on the court. Yeah, right. right. Evolution promises uh, um, one set. So they're, they're, they're coming we promise in, one they're, set for every for every player. They're coming one in set. at a developmental level, yes. which is great because you. Some of them are. Yeah. Because that's okay. what evolution is. Yeah. Evolution is a mixture of four or five guys who are just G's. They they go to Redondo High School. They don't feel like driving all the way out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I built a I built my brand. I want to play for Jason. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the parents see me. That guy with the Yankee hat. He don't take no mess. My kid back talks to me all the time. I want to see what he does. Yeah, I want to see how my kid talks to this coach and see what happens. Yeah, you know, so so I got out of on a twelve man roster, I got four four and a half five G's, mm-hmm. which by the way is the amount of scholarships the NCAA allows men's volleyball to have four point five scholarships. So then I got a bunch of kids who are not good enough. They try to fit this team, doing whatever. They're coming with me, and then I take two kids who are developmental. Case I took a kid that never played volleyball in his life. You know, yeah. and and that's what the evolution and and evolution's attractive, Wendy, because yeah. we allow we're, we're the only club that guarantees that a kid plays at least one entire set. So, and me, I'm like, yeah, you, I'll get, you're gonna get your set. Yeah. But I mean, after a few tournaments, you're not gonna want just the one set. Right. Right. So and now that's how it works. But not. But that's. But that's teaching motivation. Yeah. And I'm sitting there talking all this nonsense right now, uh, and I'm not letting you talk. And I'm so sorry. This is not why you <laughs> came here. No, you come here to listen to me, right? <laughs> uh, um, no, but it's it's 
the reason why we even brought it up, it's such a place in our, in our, in yes. our it has such a, a um, an important place in our heart and, and, and it grinds against our core beliefs yes. as competitors and what we expect of, of our children, right? You are a power mom. Everybody listening, Wendy, has got a kid at Stanford right now playing men's volleyball. She's got a girl, a daughter playing at TCU, playing for Hector Beach Volleyball Team, which right now I understand is in the top 10. Yeah. Uh, um, Hector can coach, dude. Yeah. He just needed a little bit of time. Yeah. Sean LaDig says, preach. Say that shit again uh, for the folks in the back pews. <laughs> <laughs> Don't babysit and be realistic. Tell your Tell kids, your the, kids truth. the truth. Tell your kids yes. the truth. Yeah. LaDig, we love you. And Wendy's yeah. blurry. And I'm sorry she's blurry. But look, if I had Wendy in HD, man, no one would pay attention to what she's saying. They'd just be staring into that woman's eyes. So. Gotta blur you. Gotta blur you, girl. Oh my gosh, you're making me blush. But... The reason why I'm so passionate and I'm and I'm, and I'm ta- over, I feel like I'm over talking is because cross cult cancel cross this culture this yeah. entitlement culture yeah. is not an unsolvable problem. No. So we have to do it from the ground up. So where we spend our time every day, you know, and this is in the car as we're coming out of this pandemic thing in the car with your kids mm. going across town. When I, I took my kid to his first swim practice, I looked at him and I said at some point you're going to be really really tired and it's okay keep going like it's only an hour right like fatigue is okay um everything that you a coach you know you you teach these lessons and then they know how to trust a coach if you you know odds on most people are good people right and we throw darts so fast when we feel that we've been threatened that like a good coach is being called a bad coach. Like, well, maybe they're just tough and maybe your kid needs to toughen up. Now, I also have gone the other way and made my daughter do junior guards with the broken arm because I'm like, hey, you're good. Don't worry about it. Three weeks later, hey, mom, the, the push-ups are still hurting. Oh, shoot. So yeah, does recovery, does listening, like that building that awareness of like, it's not always the grind. It's it's self-awareness. You have to know you, and you have to build those relationships so you can see where your kid is coming from. So that's like slowing down and taking the time to listen to them, to do something that you don't maybe always want to do. Like, do I sit around and play Mario Kart for my own health with my 13 year old? No. <laughs> no, I do it to bond with him so that when something comes up, he knows he can come to me and we're going to have a chat and he trusts me, right? You do things that are selfless as a parent, but you know, you teach your kids learn by what you show them, not what you say. Mm-hmm. Right? So coming back to like creating a, an athlete, I want to deliver an athlete to the court that's coachable. And I don't think you would find somebody. I'm amazed at the access I have. And I tell my kids this and I'm now I'm, I'm, I'm being a bragging mom. I can go up to p- coaches on the beach or in the gym and say, hey, I'm Lauren's mom or I'm Luke's mom. And they'll talk to me because they I delivered them a coachable kid. And, you know, and then you and I've, I've watched my daughter battle through injuries. She hasn't played a lot this year. She's got a foot that's killing her. You know, we're getting an MRI. You got to deal with that. She's frustrated. She's learning. She's learning how to take care of her body. She's learning how to deal with disappointment. My son, Stanford cut their program. The kids wanted to go to Stanford since he was eight years old. Oh, my God. He signs. His team wins a national championship, and he signs at Stanford, and pandemic hits, and we're cutting an Olympic sport. We have Stanford's had a a volleyball player on the Olympic team, I think, every team since 1984. We're going to cut? That's ridiculous. 
It's ridiculous. To a, for a school that has a $30 billion endowment and makes a billion dollars a year in interest and on that endowment and, oh, we can't touch that for sports. Okay, well, I don't, I get all the ins and outs are crazy, but there's no reason that these 240 athletes that got recruited should not have a sport. They were brought to Stanford. They worked hard to get there. They, and they cut their legs out from under them. They don't just go and like join the, join the swim team or go to the drama club and learn to lead the same way. This is their chance. This is where they built their leadership skills. Those are the skills they're going to take out of the world. Well, this is what disappoints me more about Stanford because Stanford is one of those schools that should know better, right? You go to Harvard, right? Harvard doesn't offer any athletic scholarships. Right. Um, they're Division One, uh, I guess, Division One AA for like their football team, but all, all around Division One. In fact, a couple of years ago, if you remember, they were in the NCAA men's um, the championship. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. They played UCLA first round. They actually, they actually yes. took the first set 25 before USC UCLA cracked the code you know um big up to Harvard and then Sparrow shame on you um <laughs> yeah I said it this is that kind of day guys uh, but um um Stanford should know better because they predicate their philosophy on not um the return on uh financial return on mm -hmm. college sports they're like they're the first ones to tell you college sports is not about money it's about kids who develop leadership uh, yeah. uh, uh, tools and this and that with good coaching that become better leaders of the world and being this whole leadership through uh, playing sports was a time-tested thing uh, for college sports before football and basketball um, the became this are we in the red or are we in the black or, mm -hmm. or if it wasn't for football you wouldn't have a team uh okay so what that's yeah. is that a point i mean does that mean we don't deserve a team because there's one team that's yeah. able to exploit their athletes yeah you, you know no, and, I, and not fucking pay them uh, um uh that's ridiculous when Everyone talks about college sports. It's a business. It's it's right. it's, it's a revenue generating business. It's not. It was not never. It was never meant to be that way. No. It was meant to be a leadership thing among people who want to learn, who played right. a sport in high school, or whatever, or this and that, who are at a more advanced level, a more acute level, decided right. this is what they want their full college experience to be. Because mm -hmm. you know that Wendy, when you play a college sport, you know, you're, you have to accept as an athlete. It's a completely different. It's game. your full college experience. Yes, exactly. You know, uh, yeah. like, like, and so you gotta love it. Yeah, like, right? like, like my yeah. girl Kelly probably would have loved to, to stay, you know, stay and play volleyball at Harvard. But to her credit, she didn't want that to be her her whole life, her whole um, yeah. ten month experience. Yeah, because it's not just in season for the people listening. It's preseason. It's tournaments. It's workout. It's yeah, Sarge's it's meetings. Not it's coming all that home stuff. for holidays. It's being on the road. You it's know. figuring out how to get your class work done when you're yep. traveling. Taking a final in a hotel room. So, um, so the disappointment yeah. comes from a school who, to my understanding, I'm not quoting exact words, but who predicated their athletic program on building character of raising leaders you know i think 11 percent of their student body was were were student athletes they they if they're not number one in like total number of sports they were number two i think harvard's number one uh -huh. um i think harvard has like 40 well they sports. had 36 before they cut this 11 so yeah. which mean, is why that alumni group that met with the board uh with the president and the provost last week is called 36 strong yeah and they've come up with a plan to remedy the financial situation now that's getting it's getting pressed forward and there there's supposedly the board's meeting that I think there's going to they're making some progress but there's really there's no other choice but to to 
reinstate these 11 sports because Stanford has never not been able to raise money. They did not give these programs any, any lead time. Say, hey, your program's in trouble. Alumni, why don't you go out and see if you can raise some money to endow your program? No, we're just going to cut it out from under the legs of kids during a pandemic that just lost the previous season. I mean, where's the leadership in that? How in the world did you not go out to your alumni first and say, you're in trouble? We're going to give you six months, but this is what's on the chopping block. Because they thought they can get away with it. They're not going to. No. This isn't going to go away. There are certain schools, and I guess because of that's their philosophy that they thought they can get away with it, their, yeah. their, their foundation. There are certain schools that you would never get away with that. Look no further right. than USC. Right. Do you know what the alumni would do to the president, for the, the athletic yeah, director, who, or whoever that. was in charge of cutting men's volleyball mm -hmm. at USC? Do you know what the alumni would do to those people? Yeah. It would be January 6th all over yeah. again. Yeah. Dude, do not F. Uh, yeah. Talk about it. Listen, the reason why I, I like, I'm one of USC's um, biggest critics, not because of their athletes and the way they do things, but because of their annoying fan base. I just can't. They're just so fucking nauseating sometimes. They're like the Dallas Cowboys of, of, of volleyball. Right, so yes, yeah, no. Look, that's why. You, look, we. You're the optimist journal, right? And there's some things you want to say, and there's some things I, I could say I, I, because I so because your my candor. brand and my I bottom line. Your no, but my brand, but but that is the genius. Yeah. That is my my white privilege, if you call it. Okay. Of of my brand and my bottom line not being the same thing. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Oh, I'm with yeah, you I'm on not, that. Right? Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I'm not gonna not. Give it to me real. That yeah. I can, I can, yeah, I can get along with anyone that's going to give it to me real. I'll say it for so, them. Yeah. I'm not this way because I'm on camera. I'm on camera because I'm this way. Okay. That's so the truth. <laughs> so, but as much as I've, I, 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 I throw up in my mouth listening about how great they are and this and that and just big old USC flag outside. As much as I, I, I criticize them all in a playful way because I don't. Yeah. I don't. Want, I don't want to punch anyone in the face over this. It's all playful. Yeah. But as much as I criticize them. There's nothing, I got nothing on USC when it comes to them taking care of their own. I have, I don't have dick on that team when it comes to uh, the, their alumni. The, from the way they take care of their own, from the time you, com you, you commit, yeah. from the time you go in there as a freshman, and, and long after you, if you graduate and you live in the South Bay, you're a fucking made man. Yeah. <laughs> you're a it's a network. Dude, it There's, is yeah, it's a Harvard-esque. Yeah. Okay, Agreed. so so when that whole scandal thing came out, like the, the whole singer thing, and yeah. they're like, they said, oh, elite schools like Princeton and Stanford and USC. And I said, elite school? You got, I mean, is it an elite school? Yes. But you're going to put them in the same sentence as Yale and Princeton. I said, you did that to piss me off, right? You did that to piss me off. But... Self-examine, Jason. Self-examine. They are, right. uh, and um, academically, they're yeah. they're they're elite. I say elite enough. Yeah. I can never. They and they and 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 I will definitely punch someone in the face if mm -hmm. they say, academically, USC is as elite as, as Yale and Stanford. That's just, it's an insult. Yeah. No, no. my third one. But, she's um, a film girl. She'd be looking at, yeah. at USC film. Hell school. yeah. Like hell, it, hell yeah. yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm yeah. Gonna, no, but look, yeah. if you put USC... But it's excellent. If you said there was yeah. a scandal at schools like Marymount Manhattan, Juilliard, yeah. and USC, I'm going to punch you in the face. Because as good as UCLA, USC is, it's not. Yeah. There, is it elite? Yes, but it is an elite school. But you, you can't... You put Stanford and Yale and USC in the same sentence. You can't do that. 
But you can. You can because of the way they take care of their own. Right. They take yeah. care of their own better than Princeton does. Well, and that's They my take whole care beef. of their own better than Yale does. Yeah. Only Harvard. Only Harvard uh, 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 is, is the school we could have that conversation as far as being elite and taking care of mm-hmm. your own post-graduation hire. Right now, I think number one in, in the country is Stevens Tech. Mm. They got a pretty good Division Three on program there, and they have cool. a pretty good coach and an even better assistant coaching staff. And Patrick, I don't know if he's still there, but, but um, well, and I love all those options yeah. for kids. Like, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you can get some real brainiacs that play volleyball and and go play at a an MIT or a you know at Division Two or Three, um, <laughs> um, and it's not your whole life. You know, so I've had coaches ask me, "What do I do with these kids that are not on the, you know, not they're not getting a lot of playing time." I'm like, okay, around here, when you're playing on a top-level team, if you're not getting playing time, you're getting coached to the – you could probably still go play. I mean, odds on, hands down all the time, you can go play at a two or three school because – a division two or three school because the level of competition around here is amazing. I didn't grow up like this. No, it's fierce. Yeah. My yeah. kid didn't want to move down here from, mm-hmm. from Fresno. And about the time he was 14, I started saying, are you ready to thank me yet? Because you, you love volleyball. Do you see what's going on? It's fierce out here because the culture doesn't allow them to be anything less. Yeah. Like, you can go to any school in MPSF or Big West, and even if they have a, a, a boat below 500 season, um, they're still going to be better than all the rest of the it's country, great right? Volleyball. Like when yeah. you go to college on the East Coast, you're looking for a good volleyball program to go on the East Coast. It's all about the coach. Yeah, it's all about who the coach the, the coach is there. Right. Here, it's all about the programs. Like still, people people still go to USC, USC even mm-hmm. even though they they um, I think in 2019 they had a 15 and nine record. They were 11 and 0 at home. Wow. And that earned them the right to get their head chopped off by Division Two Lewis in the first round. Um, <laughs> But you look at outside that season, they've had losing records. They had a 14 yeah. and 14 season, and that was only because they were down. They were one and eight and had to come back to play 500, where they got their heads chopped off by Long Beach State in the FPSF yeah. first round. Gotcha. But they've had, out of the last six seasons, I think four of their last six seasons were losing seasons, yeah. which is inexcusable for, well, a, for a culture that's supposed to be the hotbed of recruiting. Right. But they're still going to be. Right, they played Harvard. They're gonna. They're still gonna. It took them five sets, but they're gonna beat them. They, you, they're gonna play uh, um, Stevens Tech. They're gonna beat Stevens Tech yeah. four, three sets to one. Maybe sweep them. Yeah. They're gonna beat Sacred Heart University, which is a very yeah. watered down D one program in the East Coast. Okay. So, I guess what I'm trying to say for East Coast, it's about the coach. Okay. West Coast, it's it's about the school. You can't even if you miss, you can't miss. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I've been one of Jeffy Nygaard's biggest critics about how UFC's p- performed the last few years, but. Uh, again, fifteen and nine record is very respectable. Being undefeated, eleven at home, defending your turf, yeah, uh, um, is is a way to turn down a program. But yeah. I've been one of his biggest critics, and I'm like, you can't tell me that you you have USC is the hotbed for recruiting for men's volleyball, and you and, and this is the best this is the best your team could do. You know, no, that falls on the coach. You know, yeah. Don't walk around with your big chin sticking out. Yeah. You know, um, you know, well, and upset you know, all, up, looking upset all the time and being all intense when your team's losing. You know, sorry, but you know, and I like Jeff Nygaard. I don't so, know. Yeah, yeah, huh? I don't know. I know. Him I like him because I met him once or twice at nationals. Like him, you know, I'll, I'll, 
I'll, I'll sit with him. Well, he'll have a conversation. As much, as much of a conversation as someone like him's going to have. He's not an extrovert. Okay. But John Mayer was his partner for a long time. And John said a bunch of nice things about him. And if okay. John likes you, then I like you. So that's nice. that's how that streams out. John Mayer, right, ladies and gentlemen, the head coach at LMU. Yeah. The, the reigning defending WCC champs. Nice. Because um, they won in 2019. Okay. Yeah, right. I know. They last, beat Pepperdine. Loses bracket. That's so Had beautiful. to beat him twice. I'm always for the underdog. Had so. to beat him twice. Oh, that's beautiful. Yes. Yeah. I took a picture. I was his director of operations, you know, nice. and, and I quit before that season. Oh. I quit to do color commentary for uh, P1440 for, because oh, okay. they were doing all of Pepperdine's home games. Yeah. Uh, the Big West Championship when Hawaii paid Cobb Holly, I call that with Dodd, Dodd oh, and those fun. guys or whatever. Um, that's fun. And John's like, come here, let's come here, let's come take the picture with me with like the plaque and this and that. And I'm like, we're taking the picture. And I'm like, I wish I was a part of this. And he's yeah. like, you are a part of this. Oh. He's like, there's no way. Let's stand up. There's no way we don't get to 2019 without, without. you. Yeah. You know, and I'm not bragging, but he's right. Before I came, they were, they were th- six and 13. My year was, I was there with them. They were 22 and 14. And then the next okay. year they won the WCCs. Yeah. This year they might get invited. They're number six. They're yeah. in six. They beat Long Beach State twice. Okay. They beat Pepperdine twice, and and really, if they just beat, awesome. if they just win the WCCs again, I honestly think that's enough to get in. Yeah. You know, it wasn't enough to get in two years ago, but okay. Pepperdine still win, and they didn't. But yeah, I'm still learning about how all that yeah. works. I was chatting with Hector last week. Uh, well, the know. more spots that that, yeah. that come out, the more it's gonna be, you know, because everyone's gonna feel cheated. For right? sure. That's what like, it, that's what it feels like. Like Stetson got in. Okay. You know, and like yeah. some really good schools didn't. Like the year before, I thought FIU, Florida International, got in, and like Cal Poly and Long Beach State didn't. Yeah. Like Cal Poly was like twenty-four and five. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and like you said, playing big time. Like their conference programs. is strong. Yeah, exactly. Their conference yeah. is strong. Hawaii and Cal Poly are in their, their conference. UC yeah. Davis is going to get better. Ali McCulloch's well, the head coach there, so you know. They're going to get yeah. better. Well, and I was going to say, you've got Todd Rogers at Cal Poly. And I'm a Cal yeah. Poly graduate, so it, I wish that sport it existed when I was. Oh, God, yeah. it would have been fun. The, the true professor. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. So hey, fun. listen, Chrissy Jones became the player she, she oh, became Oh, yeah, she wouldn't played him. up there a year, huh? She, um, yeah, her grad yeah. year. She's a grad yeah. year. Um, oh, it's the best place in the world to live. Good yeah. Lord. I love it up there. What a story she had, huh? Yeah. Being the 47th seed. And then making the the sem- I, the main draw semifinals, forty seven seed qualifier. Wow. Main draw semifinals. Yeah. What? Okay. What city was that in? Hermosa Beach. I know. Yeah. That's I was legit. there. Uh, you do you know? This is, and you'll appreciate this more than anyone because you have a daughter at TCU. Do you have any idea how how good her generation? And the kids coming up two years behind her. Do you have any idea? Like the girls who just graduated. Let's say. I'll just say the girls who are two years removed. The, I'd say the group of girls after Sarah Hughes and Kelly Clays. Mm-hmm. Kelly okay. Clays and Sarah Hughes, they're special. They're one of a kind. Yeah. But um, Sponsel, you yeah. know, the, the, year, the year after that, Sponsel was already a pro before she right. even graduated. Yeah. Uh, Maple and Kraft, mm. uh, who were who 16 years old when they were yeah. in Hermosa Beach. They made the quarterfinals. Chrissy Jones and Munoz had to beat Maple and Kraft to get into the semifinals. Oh, I do remember Which is that. a testament to how... We just had this conversation about reassessing your game. Yeah. Yep. I, I challenge a lot of these female players who are walking around like they like they're G's. They're out I there, know. you know, say hi to someone, they act like because they, they do this sport better than everybody, better than most people that they, they think they get to act like a snob. Old school rule. Chill. Old school yep. rule. You can only be a prima donna and win. 
And I will You can say, only be a prima donna and win. And I will say the better you are, the more responsibility you have to lift everybody up around you. Yeah. I'm not saying you have yeah. to be a prima donna because yeah. you win, but, uh, right. but, but you can't yeah. But be... there is a lot of that going, it goes back to entitlement culture, right? I saw this, this trail and on Showtime where this, the woman says to like a fat student, she says, you could be skinny and a bitch. Or you could be fat and nice. You can't be fat and a bitch. <laughs> I was like, oh, 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 oh my God. What was this song? <laughs> Cancel culture, where you at? You can't say that, you know? Right? Fat people can tease skinny people all they want, <laughs> right? I mean, I grew up with a dad who said, don't ever say anything bad about anybody because no. they'll be standing right behind you. Yes. So I kind of, that was, that, that was the... The message. It doesn't come full circle. It doesn't feel good. No. Does it feel good to say that kind of stuff to someone? No. Dude, when I was what do you protect? When I got out of the army, I literally blew up to like two hundred sixty-five pounds. Okay. And I had a friend of mine who wow. was always in shape, always cut. This kid from Harlem. I'm not gonna name his name, but the people who follow me, you know, I'm called. You know, I'm a tease. You know, I'm getting ready to tease him. But one of the best uh, I call underground players you, you've ever met. You didn't cool. have money to travel and this and that. Yeah. But every time you played him, you're like, oh, God, I got to listen to his, this guy's mouth and put up with his game. I yeah. can't stop him. The best Sometimes the best way to, to stop guys is to, sh- to shut him up is to beat him. I can't beat this guy, you know. So he would always poke fun at my weight. Like I would like Central mm. Park. It's humid in New York, so you, you, I'm always so changing my shirt. I'm oh. always changing my shirt. Yeah, you know. But talk. But listen, I got real work done there because of that. Yeah, I got real volleyball work done because it's uncomfortable out yeah. there. Uh, I use oh. outdoor to, to cross train for anything. Hey, I grew up in Fresno. Um, it's good. As, it's good to be. Hell. It's good to be humid and hot. This yeah. is why we're productive. People. I actually feel better like that. That's why yes. I like hot yoga. I I when I hate the wind down mm-hmm. here. When it gets yeah. hot and everyone's dying, I'm like just I'm I'm just. Starting to, I feel great like that. But that, yeah, but here I got California drunk and stupor, man. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take care of this today, I do tomorrow, I do know. the day after. There's no procrastinating here. No. But anyway, <laughs> I love it. I, whenever I go, I go to change my shirt, he's like, he'll be like, oh, whoa, whoa, I don't want to see, anybody want to see that, this and that. And I'm not changing my shirt in front of everybody. I particularly go off to the side so people don't see me. So for him to, for me to go to the side and for him, people to highlight that, like, he has an, an acute sense of humor. Like our friends, sure. our form of satire does include ridicule yeah. and parodying someone right. and, and this and that. But it put me in a bind because it was hurtful, but you can't say anything about it because you, you, you're like sensitive. Like, oh, I was right. only playing with you. You want to be sensitive and this or that, you know, and this. And then it, it's really at the end of the day, like if I wasn't out of shape, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So it was one of those things where... A decade goes by, right? I dropped, yeah. I dropped sixty-five pounds. Well, net net loss, I dropped fifty pounds. Okay. Right. I, I got down as, as low as one eighty-six. It's too way too light for me, considering yeah. my shoulders and yeah, this yeah. and that. So one ninety-five, two hundred five. You know, right now I'm two eleven because I'm I put on my quarantine fifteen, but <laughs> but um net loss is about fifty-five pounds. Yeah. And at the same time, he blew up to as much as two hundred eighty pounds. Yeah. So, so never, I, once again, why are you throwing, you know, don't throw I, but, the dart. But, but at no time, but you knew it was at bothering no time, you. even now to this day, like we're talking about yeah. it and I'm, t- I'm not talking about satire because satire also includes irony right. <laughs> as well as ridicule. Yeah. Um, I never poke fun at him. Yeah. But I didn't stop other people from doing it. I'm like, oh, hey, you know, 
Okay, Elsewhere. right back at you. You know, yeah. my, my friend Ren is like, "What's up, Abu? How you doing? Oh my, <laughs> you know, he'll, yeah. he'll change his shirt. Oh yeah. my God!" So, so a lot of those things that are like coming back at him, and he's thick skin and he can take it, but I know he knows it hurts. Yeah, I know that he knows it hurts. You but know? you know, it does. Then it comes back to personal responsibility. Like, if it's bothering you, change it. Yeah. Right, and if it's not bothering you enough, then you won't change it. It, there's always a flipping point, mm-hmm. right? Well, for me, the how was fruit from a poisonous tree. I didn't understand the what. Mm. The, the, like for me, I understood I was overweight. Um, and my how was wrong. My how was just exercise more, but keep, mm-hmm. eating, the, keep eating the same bullshit. Mm. You know, so and, only, and, on, and only eat twice a day. You know, I'm like playing oh, a sport, no. yeah. only eating two times a day, yeah. bigger portions. So, yeah, no. So I started eating smaller portions five times a day sometime when I was in training, sometimes six. Yeah. And um, that was it. Start started eating breakfast. Breakfast was important. Heck yeah. So, and I uh, took a year and I dropped. I went from 265 to like 200. And you, know? you feel so much better. Hell yeah. Yeah. I love my Energy hair. I, I, I always used to cut my hair really short. Yeah. And that one year I was cutting, I let it grow long. Okay. Um, got my hair straightened because this is like a little fro under this. Oh, yeah. Nice. So check it out, people. Got my fro. It's got quite the fro. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you saw the, yeah, like saw the little half yeah. fro hawk. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I dropped a bunch of weight, um, let my hair grow long, got it straightened. So I look like a completely different person. I can't person. even picture it. Like people who haven't seen me in a year, a yeah. year and a half. No, I can't even picture like, it. They're like, that guy looks like Jason. And then they see the way I walk. Because yeah. lefties, lefties walk with their left hand swinging and their right hand still. A lot of lefties. You're, this uh-huh. is the strangest thing you'll ever see. Watch. Maybe watch Travis. Maybe watch Miles. Yeah. Maybe Travis is going to be like, I do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But um, people were like, "Who? wow, what happened to you? You know, and this and that. So... Yeah, just change. I changed my situation. Part of the journey. Yeah, you got If you're not happy, you gotta change yeah. it. But I had to understand that there was a problem. Yeah. The what? I mean, the how was. I'm like, nope, this isn't a problem. I'm just gonna exercise more. Well, right. So my how was was a fruit from a poisonous tree to understanding that there is a problem. Yeah. The problem is not enough exercise. The problem was what I was eating. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, and sometimes like when you really want to change something, you, like mm-hmm. you, you got to do the harder thing. Yeah. yeah like for anyone that's an athlete, like some people really have a hard time getting up and working out. Mm-hmm. Like for those of us that have played sports our whole life, I like you. That's not the hard part. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's it's, you know, how many beers are you going to drink? How many, uh, you know, do you want ice cream after dinner? Do you how many steaks a week are you going to eat versus like like the older I get, you just feel like, oh, I just eat to fuel my body so that I can keep doing what I love to do which is play volleyball and go to yoga and swim in the ocean and, you know. And this is a woman who got like three kids. I don't even know you got three kids. Four. Four. Oh, oh, you, you, oh, I know what you were doing. You'll be in trouble. Oh, I know what you were doing. Be, <laughs> you're trying to build a forest team for 16th Street, <laughs> right? You're, you're, you you've been know? grooming them for you know decades. Gonna, you know what's going to be trouble is when I decide to send you my, uh, um, my 13-year-old who's 6'4 right now. Yes. He is all elbows and knees, but... <laughs> I'm starting a beach club for Are boys you? as well. Nice. Um, um, this this pandemic has, um, and because endless summer. Yeah. Uh, like our clientele got cut in half. So honestly, Rob McLean. He's a necessity. Oz Borges is the the longest mm-hmm. tenure coach there. So those are the two coaches that are there. You know. Um, and me, you know, I'm just. I guess I'm just stepping back from it a little bit. Okay. But it's, it's also going to maybe you know 
when the maybe I start my own club, maybe I go back. Okay. But um, me, my, me and Duran took some time out from each other, but but we're okay. I mean, we're not not, yeah. not like my enemy or whatever. She just thought some of the things I was saying on my podcast was like bad for like Junior's business. But mm. but and I sound like I'm calling her out right now, and I'm so not because the correlation doesn't um, support her assertion, mm. right? If this is bad for business, why is why did I have why did I have Matt Olson on a podcast last week? Yeah. Wave, well, Wave is the banner that and that she operates under in the summer, right? Mm-hmm. Why is Dane Blanton on my podcast? Why is um, John Mayer come back on my podcast? A yeah. revolving guest. Why does why did she come on my podcast yeah. twice? Right. So well, you know, I I always think real goes a long way. Mm-hmm. Everything. What I love about you is that you you give it to everybody straight. No one wonders where you're coming from. You treat everybody the same. There's no exclusivity to you. Like, you are approachable. You are, and for anybody that's uncomfortable with that, and I don't know Duran, and I love her. No, she's just done two, on the we're beach. two good human beings I, yeah, that have I, this disagreement. That's but, all. But, yeah, but I mean, what you do, I always say, I don't have to agree with anybody. I just want them to be real. Yeah. Like, I don't want the pretension. I don't want the, I'm going to tell you one thing and do something else or any of that. And you, I don't get that. But can you appreciate you. if my brand... And my bottom line with the same thing. Can you appreciate how I, I, I would have to have a choice to make? Yeah, but I, I would. Think ha- I would have to. I would have to have a choice Cause to you're, make. Because you're because you're because you're trying to cater a message to right. for approval. Right. Right. I don't think that's any way to live. No, it's not. And granted, you do have to. You know, it was a. It was people a have tough, to put food on the but table. But it was a tough time for me because. Yeah. I still, I was building my brand as a junior's coach. Mm-hmm. I did have appreciation. I did have parents coming to me for private lessons. I did have parents. Mm-hmm. I steered a lot of traffic Rob's way because I can't, Do it you know, all. I can't, I'm, I'm coaching a club. I was coaching, you know, professionals mm-hmm. at the same time. So Rob McLean, who's like this, this, the young, this young genius, this beautiful mind. Cool. I, and he's, he's working on getting a partner. I hope he plays with, I know Avery Dross is playing with someone, but Avery should smarten up and play with him. His reach yeah. is 11, eight on the beach. Uh, he had some demons to conquer up here. Physically hits with both hands, you know, That's his, his served to so space. Pretty. And there was a training <laughs> session that I did with Rafu, Kevin and me, we, we played King at the end mm-hmm. and Rob won all three games, including me and him beating Rafu and Kevin. So wow. yeah, he let off six, we was nine up, Games of 15, it was yeah. nine up. He let off six straight serves. His serve to space was, I, I've never seen any, I mean, I've never seen a kid that hungry. So, but, um, so fun. I guess the point I was trying to make was it was a tough spot for me because at the same time, I still wanted to coach juniors, but I don't want to enlist with a group that will make me enemies with, um, certain, mm-hmm. with certain people. There are certain people that I like that other people don't like. I don't want, I don't know if I'm associated with that person. I don't really want to drive that far. I live in the South Bay. So, so unless we know that someone has done something outright to absolutely wreck someone's life, my whole thing on this volleyball world, like he likes her and she likes him and they don't, mm-hmm. they don't get along. Building inclusivity in this sport is so important. So like, from the from the person who will give you the turn their nose up at you because they think they're a better player or you know this club doesn't like that club or this coach doesn't like that coach literally people go through things every time i walk out on that court in the morning people are going through such massive life upheaval and change the little stuff that people hold grudges against i don't understand how do they have the energy every time (laughs) i walk out the only thing that those people need to do is play the game because they're going through 
you know, kids battling health issues or mental health issues or divorces or, uh, you know, addictions. I mean, suicides, suicides. We have been through so much in the last year. Drop your grudges. Yeah. Let this well, volleyball that, thing be a, a rising tide. But that's a message for me. She doesn't yeah. have a grudge against me. She's no, not, she no. is not home right now. Oh no, 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 no. no. I'm, not even, I'm not even you talking know? about yeah. your like. No, of course Just not. one thing. I, yeah. But like the sport is too great, and there's so many great minds, and everybody's got a little bit of something that they do a little bit better than something someone else. And if we just let people do what they do well, and and be inclusive, everybody gets better, right? Yeah. Yeah. So st- stop. Adults have to stop turning their nose up at each other so that the kids can learn to not turn their nose up at each other. That's such, sometimes, doesn't it seem like such an incurable disease <laughs> to some of these adults? So, yeah, you know. but it, I don't, I, I kind of don't get it though. I mean, I, I know why it happens, but it's like, you just start to realize like this life is so short and it is so worth just connecting with people and getting their story. And I know that's what I love to do. We have so many friends though yeah. like that. We have... Wendy, we have friends that are arrogant, but they're still our friends because just because they're arrogant doesn't mean they don't have unconditional love. I don't give up on people because I know there's a layer under that where yeah. they're still right. This. There's always okay. They more. have love for themselves and okay, good for you. But they do have they have love for me too. There's room that's in their personality where there's room for everybody. And, yeah. And and if you can get past some of the things that are a turn off to some people, you could understand some people better. Of course, there's people that are just so far gone they can't come back where I don't you know I'm not I'm not discourteous but at the same time my New York virtue won't pretend allow me to pretend to yeah um yeah like and show respect that isn't that isn't there no I'm not Um, I'm never saying be fake I'm saying be real but most people are Mm -hmm. you know well-intentioned good people that you know might have a, a little chip on their shoulder or like have a different way of going about something something but just get curious about it rather than being either fearful of it or 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 turning your nose up at it i guess what i'm saying so i know you got somewhere to go but before i jump into something fun yeah um do we do we do we reach a point for this entitlement this entitlement thing that you yeah. wanted, you wanted to say? I mean, I don't think anything's getting solved overnight, but I definitely am. I'm I'm headed into a really big project that I'm very very excited about, mm-hmm. and I don't want to. I'm not gonna. I'll come back and tell you more no, about it. No, well, no. Um, when it happens, we're gonna, we come back yeah. after this. After yeah. it happens, yeah. we come back on the show and. Tr- and tr- but I look. have this vision of connecting younger athletes um, with coaches and professionals and amazing content that like really battles entitlement culture and 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 teaches the game of life right so volleyball is the lens but we're really learning the game of life and that's what i write about that's where the optimist journal is gone when i started it i wasn't really sure where i was going with it i was just kind of uncovering peeling back the layers of the onion and figuring out who i was and how i could be a better mom to my kids and it's all through but i've always learned through sports so now it's just taken that that road and when you stay on your path and just keep doing what you know you like to do, like you podcasting, the right people come into the, come on, just come down your road and you just have to take the next opportunity and keep following it. And some days you wake up and go, oh God, I don't know if I really feel it today. But if you believe in it, you keep going. So I write that blog every week and I've had amazing people come into my path. And like I said, I talked to an Olympic gold medalist yesterday for an hour and 40 minutes just because his story is so inspiring. And he found me. I mean... I don't know. I don't get it. He's like, tell me your story. I'm like, I'm a mom. I like to play volleyball. I like to write. But 
you stay on your path and great things happen. No and doubt. That's what's yeah. coming. Well, that's the one thing I like about the West Coast. Like, if you acknowledge that some things aren't fair, but if you don't take that fact kicking and screaming, mm-hmm. just keep your nose in the work. Eventually, mm-hmm. when when it comes through, the reward is even the word. The reward's even sweeter because you you like you said you were in something that felt like a perpetual state of um, discomfort and yeah and whatever. It's it's not a. I think what we were trying to say it's yeah. not a bad thing. No. So before before we go on to some, I, I wanted to talk about yellow cards and red cards, but be um, for the people who are out there doing that kind of business. Mm-hmm. Um, that that understand that we as coaches have to max out our responsibility to a point where you took it as far as it can go to to get rid of this entitlement culture Mm -hmm. Um, and it seeps to the kid and sooner or later it seeps to the parents understanding some parents will never get it but some but you can change some people you could definitely change some kids you could definitely change the world because these kids coming up are our next leaders so um, Sean LaDig you're one of those people and I, and I love you for very, sure. His and I love you very much. So I'm name, I, I got to name names now. Yeah. And, and if you yeah. feel excluded, maybe I wasn't thinking about you. And I'm sorry about okay. that. Um, Bobby Jones, Project Serve. I love you very much. From kids to adults. Right now, um, in his club, he has a 100% um, college volleyball commitment rate. Wow. That's never that's that's unprecedented. Uh, for sure. Every single every single kid that's part of Project Serve. That's incredible. Um, that's graduating is going is going to play incredible. college. That's incredible. Um, because in 2018, endless summer, we led we led the nation in commitments per capita. Mm-hmm. Um, we 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 had a small program, 22 girls, but we had eight kids. You know, and I mean, when I say commitments, I mean three USC, one UCLA, Long Beach State, our GCU's competitive, mm-hmm. well coached, yeah. Arizona. You know. Yeah. Um, Arizona State is actually Brad Keenan. So, but um. Right. Sean, Sean Ladig, Bobby Jones, I love you. The college level, John Mayer, mm-hmm. I love you. You create the stress-free environment, even to the biggest drama queen, where I don't know if they just don't want to disappoint you <laughs> or if the, you just change this environment where that all that negative energy and that drama just goes away. John Mayer, I love you very much. Dane Blanton, new coach at USC. Um, I ain't calling you a real coach until you win a chip, but I, I know you But I know you are a real coach. Uh, I guess I, I am calling you a real coach, yeah. but I can call you one, you know, yeah. on the real when you when when you actually win this. Right now, you're the number one seed in the country, um, and you create this environment and you, you and you challenge kids. Um, on the East Coast, Carl France, who got the coach head coaching job with Fairleigh Dickinson University, is now uh, has a men's one division, men's nice. one, men's one uh, division one men's uh, NCAA program. Yeah. I knew him when he was. An imposter. He wasn't like a real coach. You okay. know, he's a Mount St. Vincent. He didn't really understand. He, he understood the X's and O's of volleyball. But from all the way from the, the early 2000s to now 2021, 20 years later, um, I love you very much. Jose Pena, you you are a hard ass, the head coach at NYU. Um, and you do it the old school way and you found the way a way for new school kids to appreciate that the old school way is still is still a way to go because some people are like being hard on kids and this and that's not the way to go being nice all the time whatever and and everybody who's so arrogant enough to think there's only one way to skin a cat and that oh, only way the right way can go those are the ones i don't yeah. name um <laughs> maybe i name maybe dane's like that too and i just named him i just named someone who probably feels that way but um jose pena love you very much uh kevin edwards justin stack all of these guys east coast love cool. y'all got y'all got love so i gave love on the west the South and the East. Only for the people I know, not for the people I read about. Yeah. So now. You know a lot of people, Jason. I don't know. I don't know that I'm many. 50. Yeah, I'm 46. Like, I don't Miles Partain comes up to me, how do you know all these people, Jason? And I'm like, yeah, I'm f- 
Miles, how old are you, dude? You're an extreme extrovert, How old are you, little pup, dude? I'm like, that kid is such an... You know what I told him? And he doesn't remember remember this, but I said, you're 18 right now. I said, picture how much volleyball you're going to play by the time you turn 50. How much you're going to coach, how much you're going to teach young minds, or how many championships you're going to win by the time you turn 50. Now think about that long-ass road when you turn 50, what you're going to do. Now take all of those things. Now now take a look at me. Now look back at me. And that's how. So, um, yeah. Hey, fun thing before we go. Sure. We're gonna talk about. I I posted on someone posted on volleyball coaches and trainer. What's your red card or yellow card story? So I, I tried to duplicate that. Nobody's biting. Nobody has the balls to actually bite. I put it on Instagram. Okay. Tell me your your bizarre All yellow right. card. Just like. Okay, that's different. That came out of nowhere, right? Like I said, all I knew there was two in the GCU Stanford game, um, yeah, go, uh, and I don't even know what happened. If they, I mean, they were. The ref was f- fired up at the. I mean, the coach did something, and He's I don't fired know, up. <laughs> yeah, the co- I think the coach got two yellow cards that game. I think, unless it was That's a player a and then a, a, yeah, two's yeah a so maybe it was a player and then a coach. But there were two yellow cards issued during that game. Wow, dude. Yeah. So well, when I all, played overseas, I'd ration them out. Yeah. I made sure I never. I never made sure I never got two. Yeah, I was never in the same get a car- set. I was never gonna get. A I got three card. cards in a five set game, but I, I made sure they were different sets. They didn't go. cost any <laughs> points or cost the side out. So, here's a bizarre yellow card, but it was kind of self imposed. I'm assistant coaching John Jay. My mm-hmm. friend took this absolutely. I was gonna say terrible job, but I'll just say challenging. Okay. Re, trying to build a men's program that's never had a winning season trying to build a women's program that's never had a winning season um and then he left me the keys of the car the car i, I and i was moving to california but mm-hmm. so i was the interim coach okay and eventually their women's team had their first winning season like and nice. their first um home game home playoff game in the history of their program so uh, but i got all the credit for something that he built his name okay. is Ida Mataye. so he, I'm, I'm assisting him at baruch's men's college so okay. they had this guy who takes like this my least favorite thing, Wendy, this long ass ritual just to fucking get the serve. Just, 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 just serve. Just, just. Don't you only the, get eight, the whistle's blown, you only right? Get eight the guy's bouncing the ball, bouncing the ball, holds it out there for like a hundred minutes. Uh, eventually tosses it. Eventually serves, and I'm like, you're gonna make them change the rules because yeah. they think the game is too slow. So they're gonna make like carry legal on third hit or something. They're gonna yeah. make some stupid rule to speed up the game yeah. because assholes like you can't just 10 serve. Minutes, yeah. You know. But then I'm like, no, no, no. Well, it's not on the kid. That's you have eight seconds to serve. This right. gotta be. When I played, it was five seconds. Oh. It was five because the, the jump, the, the innovation there of the jump no serve jump wasn't, serve. Yeah. wasn't, so, wasn't a thing. Yeah. Right. And you just serve right away if you jump serve. Yeah. So. so what I did was that we had our team whisper count. The ref would blow the whistle, we, and we went one, two, three, four, and then everyone in the gym, five, six, said like whisper, and then finally the down ref blows the whistle and gives these like yellow card that entire team. And I said, so I'm getting a yellow card for you not doing your job. And he's like, do you want a red? I said, yeah, give me a red. So he gives me a red. And I'm like, sure. He says, you want another one? I'm like, yeah. And my coach is, and I'm an assistant coach. And I, I, I'm so stupid because assistant coaches aren't supposed to speak, right. you know? And, you know, my, my boy, who I'm 
you know, we're supposed to be working together. I'm supposed to be helping him. He's like, okay, you you you, get, you made your point, Jason. Uh-huh. I'm like, I'm sorry. So that well, was... Well, you're just reminding me of Hoosiers. Yeah. But remember, do you remember Gene yes. Hackman and Hoosiers when he gets wants to be thrown mm-hmm. out of the game so Dennis Hopper can coach? Because mm-hmm. he's coming back yes. from, the, from the alcoholic binge yep. and he mm-hmm. wants to build his confidence and he's like, no, throw me but off. But sometimes you need a yeah. yellow or a red and your, yeah. team, your team starts playing. Yeah. You know, I was coaching um, John, the John Jay women's team played Lehman College in the Bronx and... The head referee, like the top ref and like the head coach of Lehman, they, they're Crail players. They, yeah. they play together. So I just felt like I wasn't being treated right because yeah. this guy's Elvis. And, and, and I, you know, I was never a part of that crew, never wanted to be a part of that crew. So I was always the misfit of the outcasts. And because I was a misfit, they thought I didn't know what I was doing. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. So I remember getting a yellow cart on the top ref and my girlfriend who's an introvert mm-hmm. um, like if you could picture this as a, as a movie mm-hmm. um, you know how like oh, she's uh, going no but you know the cinematography right the, yeah. the background's blurry yeah. but the, the ref is crystal clear yeah. and then they make the ref blurry and the background crystal clear yeah. so I had this cinematic, cinematic um, image where like you saw him crystal clear and then he blurred and then the crowd she's behind the ref and she goes Watch, lip read me. You're like, quiet ass Kelly. And I just went like this. <laughs> and then the ref goes, and I go, huh. and he's like, and I go, <laughs> you know, like, I'm not like, because she was behind him. She, the ref thought I was smiling at him. I went, oh. and then I went, <laughs> like, well, okay, snap back. Yeah. So that was a bizarre one. Yeah, but I don't have a good yellow card no. story. Now, and last but not least, <laughs> The most you can get away with, I should do a top five for this. The most you can get away with without getting a red was mm. teams out of rotation. Let's call it row three. Yeah. Basically, the setter serves, the outside hitter, right, follows the setter. Mm-hmm. And then the outside hitter, when the setter pushes up the oppo, right, right, and you stack them all, sometimes the setter overlaps with the person right. that just serves. And that's yeah. the, the probably the most the likely easiest. call for out yeah, of rotation, the easiest for sure. call for out of rotation yeah. of volleyball. And I'm trying to get the down ref's attention. I'm like, they're out of rotation. So they get another point. I'm like, they're out of rotation. I said, we got, I mean, can we, I go to the, to the coach, right? Um, and I'm like, can we please, please let them know? Just, I don't want the, I don't want the point. I just want them to move. Yeah. So the top ref sees me talking, doesn't hear the conversation. I talk with my hands, so right. it looks like I'm getting all Eminem with yeah. him. You know, yeah, palms yeah. are sweaty. Yeah. He's a weak palms are heady. <laughs> so, so um, he pulls a yellow card on me, and I'm like, yellow card? Mask? Why? You know, you don't just do yellow no, cards, you right. know. And he's like misconduct. And I went, misconduct? I said, no, 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 no. I said, why don't you draw a joker on that card and put it, put it in your back pocket where it belongs? That's misconduct. <laughs> I, said, I said, that's misconduct. And I said, go ahead and give me a red. Go ahead. Go ahead and give me a red. And, he, he, and, and everybody, my, my assistant coach is like, all right, all right, all right cool. Chill. I said this. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm like, I said, you're screwing us. I'm like, you see this? And I went like this. I said, this is us, you know? And... I couldn't believe, I, 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 psychologically, I was just trying to get the red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my team could play. I knew everyone thought I was this out of control gangster, and I and and sometimes you, you play the part so well right. that you, they think you are. For but sure. really, I was just trying to get a red. And I guess because he was either afraid of me, 
or because he's ref so many of my games, like I know what you're doing and you're not gonna get it. Yeah. But I'm like, no, you're no, you're. I'm the coach. You're so, I want you to give me a like, you know. Yes. And I told him, I said, draw a joker on that thing and put it in your back pocket, which I thought. That was I more than it. enough. Yeah. I thought I got it. He, and he never did it, you know? And I'm like, what do I, do I have to come up and shake that ladder to back and forth until you fall off? So this this is the part you don't know about me. This is this is um, the Jason I used to be. The yeah. Jason you see right now, indoor. Yeah. I'm sitting there and my legs are very, folded. Yeah, very self-regulated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the, the best way to beat me is like, if I start talking to my team, we're probably, we're probably losing. Because yeah. half the time, there's nothing I'm going to say to my team that we, yeah. that we didn't already practice. Yeah. You know, but... um. Because I think the more that they're facing forward, the less they're looking back and forth. Agreed. Whether it's a it's a coaching style, right? Yeah. Right. Well, yeah, right. Because right? sure. you you well, you've yeah. seen enough volleyball. You've seen sideline coaches. Right. Free. Yeah. Free. Go. Go. Yeah. yeah. Go. Free. Yeah. <laughs> so. So yeah. um. Yeah. Worse if they're looking at the parent though. The <laughs> coach. Gotcha. Yeah. When do we almost hit two hours? We always do. <laughs> and you have to be starving right well, now. Well, I got to go meet my mom for lunch. She's in town. So I'm going to the source, Hermosa Beach, one of my favorite spots. Going to go meet my mom in like 15 minutes. Oh, my God. Yeah. I want to come. Want to come meet my mom? I do. I want to come say hi. Yeah. At least. I, tonight's her. pizza night. So uh-huh. what I'm doing is I'm eating something small. Now I'm eating something small at three o'clock and then. I'm a dog into some, I don't know. Some, Pizza um, night's good. Mickey's. I don't, I don't guys, for, I don't Tomosa know Beach, your last oh. bastion of hope. Mickey's Mickey's oh. a Delicatessen has a pizza oven in the back. Yep. They have the same sauce uh, recipe as Paisano's. Uh, Paisano's is the best pizza by the slice. Okay. But pizza by the pie is, Mickey, uh, is Mickey's Delicatessen. Yeah. Um, on 2nd Street yeah. in Hermosa. Oh. So. Such a Mickey's And that's all we got, man. Hey, yeah. I just wanted to share some yellow card stories. And you fail. Next time you come, I, next time I'm you, you not- better... Okay, I want to hear it. I'm gonna have to work on my game. Okay, yes, (laughs) you because you've been but you've been to too many games. You've been to too many games. If you never played the sport in your life and you do play the sport, right? The games that you came to support your kids. Oh yeah. Don't tell me it's it's such a. But you get better over time, not worse. The first time I watched my kids play, I was like, oh, go get middle blocker, get get out of the way. Like then you you start to get better at it. You know, you're just like, hey, they're gonna do what they're gonna do. So, oh man yeah. so Wendy alright we're out of here but yeah. you need to so plug in the Optimist Journal for the yeah. people listening to this live sorry this is going to get torn down and I'm going to put up yeah. um, uh, uh edited video that actually has your face yeah, I don't not, know how not you blurry. do everything you do yeah, your but face is not I blurry. like showing up and talking so I appreciate everything Dude, you do Wendy you are <laughs> you're practically a co-host now it's so fun <laughs> this, right this yeah. is I, I, I live for good conversations. So. Yeah, and I, I'm looking for me and you got to get together sometime. Definitely after first week of June. Yeah. Maybe before, but if it happens after, because okay. the things that we have planned and have going on yeah. would have already transpired. Um, I don't need yes. to do it before because I don't need to do a promotional thing. There already no. are, we have people that are handling that machine. Yeah. Right. So all gonna come give me a couple of sentences about how to reach you on the optimist journal what the optimist journal is about and we and we plug yeah. the out, optimist okay? journal is about i mean the game of life it's 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 what we learn to build better self-awareness as people um the things the struggles that we go through and how we turn them into strengths and i write about it every week um it's more and more it's becoming a volleyball perspective and i've got a great project in the works that you are is if you're a volleyball fan it's gonna knock your socks off so um 
you can find me at theoptimistjournal.com. Um, on Instagram, I am Wendy Jones underscore the optimist. And there's so much good volleyball content on there right now. I'm working with um, Anthony Moore, incredible photographer and videographer um, that approached me on the beach in February and said, I love your words. I got a ton of content. What do you say we put it together? I was all about it. So it's been really fun. There's some good stuff coming. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I am. I There are some things I've been waiting all my life to do that are going to happen in the next few months. I love and in 2000, that. And in 2022, I only have one thing to say. I heart volleyball. I heart is the app function about that mm -hmm. deals with sports, but I heart volleyball. Love Not it. allowed to talk about too much of that now, okay. but let's just say it's going to involve live streaming 20 matches from 20 different countries at the same so time. Five of them professionally fun. and just like, you know. Yes. So fun. Ghana's on board. Uganda's on board. Italy's on board. Telling I, you. I got love on the East. You know, Baku cool still so love. So great, yeah. Um, yeah. Oof. All Good right, guys. Stuff. Yep. So, Wendy, anything you want to say to the fans before we leave? No, thanks for having me. I'm I'm always up for a good chat, so just just keep keep it coming. Nice. Okay, guys. Wendy may love you, but I can't stand you. In fact, I'm hungry. I'm <laughs> already too. fat, and I'm incapable of BS. So I'm out. Okay. For all of you at home, for all of you on your iPad, for all of you on your iPhone, it's at the source, at the restaurant, waiting for your daughter to come join you. For all of you on your <laughs> Droid, for all of you on your desktop, who runs the world? Old school, old school. From Wendy Jones of the Optimist Journal. I'm Jason DeBiz. This is episode. 83 of the option podcast we're out come check out the option podcast on optionvb.com it's also available on itunes and spotify and on youtube under the ny varsity sports handle you're gonna love what you hear so good